Heath is out tonight. Gretch is out tonight. But we are still doing ship chasing, except it's an ADP. ADP chasing, ship chasing takeover. Let's do it. Pat Fryer Helmo. <laughs> This is why I'm hot. Anita Handjob. Fix your sight. Jamar. Alpha play chase. (laughs) Are you kidding me? You can't handle the heat. It looks like we're finally at this point. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) That broke my brain. That broke my brain. ADP chasing, ship chasing, takeover. (laughs) Welcome, guys. Sam, I'm going to. That's it. I'm done hosting. I'm going to throw it over to you. Our ADP That's chasing it. host, and uh, a, let's do it. It's a beautiful intro. Um, yeah, we're we're chasing we're chasing so many things. It's kind of hard to keep track at this point. I'm stat chasing, chasing, ADP chasing, chasing Crane. I, I don't even know what's going on. But um, yeah, we're here tonight. Uh, we're taking over for Pete. Uh, you know the the main requirements of being a host on Ship Chasing um, are being a white guy with uh, a blonde, slightly receding hairline, and you know I'm, I'm taking over taking over for Pete. <laughs> Your and lips might be too full, though, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the mustache, I don't know. I don't know how that fits into uh, the criteria. I'll have to check with Pete on that. But, yeah, uh, doing my doing my best Pete impression. Uh, I'll try my best. No one's, no one's as good as Pete. But, uh, yeah, we'll have some fun here tonight. Um, I guess a quick intro to people who maybe are regular ship chasing guys but aren't aware of ADP chasing. <laughs> Uh, the three of us have been doing uh, a weekly show, mostly on Fridays throughout the offseason. Um, and we basically discuss ADP values, track the market movement. So that's uh, the overall um, sort of outline of the show tonight. But yeah, before we get into that, uh, Pat, Davis, how are your uh, how are your Wednesday nights going? Davis, you were able to uh, get get a clearance from from the wife for tonight? Or what was what was that process like? I just don't want to stay up this late, bro. Like we're gonna <laughs> be up. We're, we're gonna be up, dude. I go to the gym at five in the morning. Like I, we're, we're, I'm. This is uh, you're, you're throwing, you're throwing my whole week off here, dude. <laughs> well, but, thank uh, you for coming. Had to do it. I, I think a good tagline for ADP chasing is um, ship chasing if the hosts were all virgins, right? Because it's all, it's all, it's all, it's all, it's all ADP. It's all, it's all database. We got graphs and we got charts. It's uh, ADP chasing is the, the ship chasing variant for people who combed through their teams yesterday, trying to figure out which teams they already had Bengals chiefs correlated on. Yeah. Yeah. ADP chasing is for when you watch ship chasing, you go, these guys are just football guys. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. That's hilarious. How many, Um, how many puppies have we all done? Are we already, Corrine, it's May 10th. Are you already sick of drafting? I'm not sick of drafting. Davis, I was not able to draft very much over like the last 10 days because I, you know, the NFL draft, getting the rankings up on the site, getting the rankings kind of like dialed in, um, launched this underdog promo, dealing, you know, with all the kind of logistical admin stuff there, blah, 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 blah. And then I was like, I don't have any time to get my the writing done that I want to get done. I had this article come out this morning on Elite Tight End. That took me like a fair amount of time to write. Uh, also, because I didn't plan to write it, I was trying to write a quarterback article and it morphed into something else. <laughs> so that's that's how I do things. Uh, so finally got an article out on the site. First one in a little while. And I drafted all afternoon. I went out in the, the beautiful sun 
I was doing three mm. puppies at once. I came back in just dripping a puppy as I did some house stuff. I finished up a puppy seconds before the show went live. I must have done a dozen puppies today. It was a delight. It's it's already the season. I, I'm already I'm already mad about people taking the quarterback when I need them. You know, <laughs> uh, I, it happened to me. I I was in I was in Chicago this weekend and we were leaving. I'm sitting there getting ready to. We we actually took the train and I'm sitting there getting ready to go, just knocking knocking a puppy out. And I start Chase Pollard T, and then pick right after I took T, someone took Burrow, and I'm just like. <laughs> What are we doing here, man? What, what are we doing here? Yeah, what May, are, you, are you taking? May fifth, uh... May fifth, and I'm already <laughs> losing my mind. <laughs> What's the plan for that drafter? Like Irv Smith and Andre yes. uh, you, Yossi no, Bosch. You, you got to take. Like... You, you got to take. You have to. So you have to take Mixon, uh, and because you know, hope he randomly binks the five touchdown game in week seventeen, and you got to yeah. take Boyd, and you got to take Irv Smith Jr. Oof. So Pete Pete shared a story today. Uh, I haven't seen this stream, but I, this was streamed, so uh, the the chat may already have seen this. But he was saying that on stream, someone sniped him on Tyler Conklin. Oh, twenty it was pick, Paul. yeah, twenty it picks Paul, ahead of ADP. Yeah. He had Rogers, I assume, and the guy who sniped him took him because he had Justin Herbert, and they play the NFC East. So he knew, or the AFC East, I guess. So he knew, he knew that there's not even a, there's a chance to play in week three. For the small chance, there might be a week 17 college. Yeah, it was Paul. The You guys got to watch the stream because Pete has an all-time meltdown and lashes out at Paul, who's a great member of the Discord. Like, I think he's shipped a bunch of uh, yeah. best ball stuff. Really smart guy, but... It was the biggest, like, May, uh, your brain is broken from thinking about week 17 way too much moment. And the funny thing that didn't get mentioned on stream and I was watching um, is his choice was uh, Michael Mayer. He was the highest tight end by ADP. And the Raiders and the Chargers are in the same division, right? I'm I'm not wrong about that. Like, certainly certainly a decent chance because we know the Chiefs are playing the Bengals. Twice so certainly, the chance, you would say. Yeah, it's, 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 it's double, double the chance with Michael Mayer versus fucking Tyler Conklin and Paul Paul justified justified it with that schedule thing so uh we love you Paul but um your brain is is, is probably a little <laughs> broken <laughs> I mean I think all of our brains are irrevocably broken at this point honestly like it's just there's no there's no going back well should we talk about the Chiefs and the Bengals real quick because we want to talk about yeah. ADP shifts I mean that was that was like my first inkling that like what we how far doing... ahead of adp did Tr- Kadarius tony go today like 10 15 picks oh god i you know what i didn't even see his name he must have been going so he, early he was go i same thing happened to me i i had a i two times i had him starred ready to pick him and he was gone wow uh but it is kind of wild because like just that one game being released has like already shaken up adp so you know when we when we get the others 16 or whatever you know uh yeah 15 my biggest reaction from it was like i i've been playing the qbs as if ah mahomes has got to fall man with he's not falling past the chase drafter at the the two three turn like i don't if people are thinking about week 17 as much as i'm thinking they are i don't think mahomes adp can really fall much now with with chase there sort of as the stopgap for teams doing that correlation so 
you know, may, maybe he still can fall into the mid third, like I originally thought, but I think really like, it's going to be interesting once all these schedules come out to really see how like that type of impact can sort of stop a player's ADP slide um, or, or, or rise them up. So, well, ke- keep um, in mind that the, by the time people who are not really drafting on, uh, you know, Twitter memes, week 17 memes come into the pool, the ADP is going to be so baked, you know, yeah. Like, like by the time August gets here, these are these are going to be set in stone. That is a powerful force of inertia to try and move. Mm-hmm. I guess, although doesn't it? Wouldn't it kick out some of the old stuff? Like, isn't it rolling? No, no. I'm not saying. I'm not saying the ADP in and of itself is. Oh, um, you're just saying people are going to be so anchored to it. People are by yeah, but like we're just going to be like, oh, I take this guy at this pick every single time. I know, like. Right. By the time I'm right. five picks into a draft, I can basically fill the rest of it out. I can color by numbers yeah, by that. That's, time. that's so true. I also have started to wonder if the quarterbacks won't stick kind of where they're at, or roughly. Maybe I maybe they'll fall to the two three turn, but stay there. It, I, it, I, yeah, we well, might as well is, get we might as well yeah, get into it now. Up. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's pull it up. So we did this exercise. We already started talking about it. So. Let's pull it up. Uh, before before I show the chart, I want to like anchor people on what we tried to do here. These are not like we did not try to rank players one through thirty six. Pat Davis and I tried to give our best estimate of where we think the best ball market is going to be on rounds one through three um, in September when best ball mania closes. So again, not our rankings. This is like probably obviously biased by what we think and what our rankings are, but more so, this is what we think is going to happen. Once all the casual drafters enter the pool, once we get all the, you know, August camp storylines, once all that stuff happens, here's sort of the, the median ADP. So I got Pat and Davis's ranks and I averaged it with mine and we got this draft board here. I'd like to raise T Higgins who just went 17 uh, because, because someone had to pair him with Kelsey. I would, I would, I would also, I would also like to, I would also like to do that. Yeah, all right. That closing line on T. Higgins is just wrong. <laughs> we blew, yeah, we already blew it. This was before, yeah, the, the schedule got announced, but I don't know. Like it's a it's a one day thing. It's a one day thing. I just I, I just want to start this so. discussion here. You guys don't get fantasy football at all if you think Jameer Gibbs is not gonna go in the second round. Like oh, there's a real chance. Like it's just the way fantasy mm. football goes, dude. I don't know. Brees Hall was going in like the fourth and fifth round last year. He played for the Jets. Everyone thought they were a joke. Everyone thought they were going to stink. Everyone likes the Lions. Everyone, Everyone likes the, the Lions, but no one thinks Gibbs is like their early down running back. Let's get into go. Gibbs. I, I want to like set set the scene a little bit before we get into Gibbs. I, I think like, let's talk about this board from a macro level. Um our sort of consensus agreement, like we have a lot of individual disagreements, but our consensus agreement largely was there's a handful of running backs going at the two, three turn that are underpriced or maybe the third round. And that's Josh Jacobs, Brees Hall, Tony Pollard, Ramondre. We all um, like on average had those guys jumping up five, six, seven spots. And that's sort of what I've been arguing this whole time. My, my personal rankings, I also think those guys are undervalued. But even if you, you know, are someone who doesn't think those guys are undervalued, there's a difference between thinking they're undervalued and that they're going to rise in price, though. Ex- so exactly, aren't the that, same things. Exactly. I, I'm. 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 I. I, I am. Separate that I'm out both. Before, but, like yeah, I think exactly. both are true. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit of both, but I think 
there is kind of this I'm already pushing back on the one of the conclusions. So keep going. Okay. I, I'm I'm just saying, Pat, the point I'm trying to make is even if you are someone who says, like, I'm guessing this is kind of where you're coming from. You're saying, I think they'll rise in price. I don't really think they're necessarily massively undervalued. I still think that means if you're sort of taking a portfolio um, based approach to drafting, you should be getting your wide receiver running back, running back starts in now because you're not going to be able to get the Justin Jefferson, Nick Chubb, Tony Pollard start in August. You're not going to be able to get the Jamar Chase, you know, Josh Jacobs, Ramondre start in in August. So if, if you're trying to take a diversified portfolio and you just want a little bit of those types of teams, like I don't see any argument for not going pretty heavy on that now, assuming you're, you're taking, you know, you're drafting 25 teams or so in, in May, June. So that that's my if, argument. So for this exercise, I don't know if you guys have had this, but just running back gets so full of guys. I absolutely do not want to click on. And I'm going to assume that other people are going to feel the same way, which is over time going to lead to the running backs that people do feel comfortable clicking on rising up the board. What, what that, part of the draft are you talking about? So I'm talking about the Aaron Jones, uh, Dalvin Cook, yeah, Joe yeah, yeah. Mixon. Just like you just do not want to be like, it's just not. Fun. Well, I took Mixon today. This is kind of outside the scope, but I took Mixon today. And I have to say, Mixon is actually kind of nice to have drafted. Because then you go, I either have like a guy who's like a third round. Like he's probably, if he's the guy there, he's probably about the same value as ETN. Or on a different team. Or in a different, but let's say he's not. Let's say he's on the Bengals and he's the guy. Like he's not a perfect pick. He's probably third or fourth round value. Like I think the fact that they like don't like him and we're playing Samaj Piran ahead of him at times was you know as a concern. But I don't think he's like dust and he's on the Bengals. His so, his ADP is not representative of what his expected production is. It's, it's binary. Just, yeah, it's just yeah. based on the cloud hanging over him. So then you go okay. Well, if I have him, and in this case, I forget which early running back I had him with. Might have been Brees Hall. Might have been, you know, Ramondre, something like that. So I'm like, I've got, I've got like two legit, like I only, I went running back, running back almost. So I play, then I built the rest of the team like running back, running back. So I'll give, uh, I'll give Mixon a little love there because it's like either the team's dead, or you can build a pretty unique structure that gives him like basically third round draft capital. I like that. That makes sense. Um, cool. Well, let's let's get into some of our disagree. I guess like the other macro thing I'll point out here is we our consensus is we don't have that second round group of quarterbacks really sliding. I think maybe a couple spots a couple from where picks. they are. Yeah, Josh Allen is the one that. So so this is my my take on the quarterbacks, and this is super micro. Josh Allen has the highest potential to slide because he doesn't have the stacking partner stopping him yeah. from sliding. Jalen Hurts has both AJ Brown and Devonta on both sides of the draft board. It's going to be really fucking hard for Jalen Hurts to slide. Now Mahomes has Kelsey on one side and Jamar Chase and T Higgins on the other for the, the bring back stacks. He's not going to slide. I think if one guy does slide, it's if the bills play the Patriots in week 17 and Josh Allen maybe slides closer to that third round Stephon Diggs I can see that. group. That's like possible. And that's not because I think Hurts and Mahomes are better than Allen, just purely like a correlational like line of these guys up take. So um that that's where the quarterbacks stand. But yeah, let's talk quarterbacks first. Like um Pat, do you do you think we got it right here with our average takes? Like, do you feel 
actually now that these guys aren't going to slide, I know like previously you said you think these guys might slide to the third round or something. Yeah, I think one thing I try to keep in mind is like what I want to have happen versus what I'm predicting will happen. And I want these quarterbacks to slide. And I was like starting to get like really like take locks that they would slide. And I was just like, they're probably not going to slide. Like I want it too much. So my thing is I'm going to be putting something out on legendary upside about uh, kind of an idea of how to go in and target these uh, quarterbacks at the high end, you know, kind of trying to pair some structures with uh, these elite quarterbacks that might make it a little bit more unique, a little bit more palatable to go get these guys at prices. If they're kind of, if you're having sticker shock the same way I am. Um, but yeah, I think, I think we're going to have to probably proceed like they're not going to slide a ton. I guess I could see, I could see, I could see Mahomes going at the two, three turn. Mm-hmm. And that you know, inertia is so hard, though, because I know that's so many drafts where the, the Kelsey, Kelsey drafters, drafters. the Kelsey drafters not passing. Yeah. So it's almost like how far does Allen slide? Because if Allen slides down into the third, then like the Hertz draft, the AJ Brown drafter is not going to want to take Hertz in the second, in the mid second, knowing that Allen's going in the third. So then he starts sure. to pass. And then, then maybe, you know, so everyone starts to come down a little bit. But I'm almost seeing the opposite where Lamar Jackson's coming up closer to the two, three turn. So it's almost like someone's coming up to meet these guys as opposed to they're going down to meet because him. Because people are going to want to take, if people are, people might start taking Lamar over Josh Allen so they can double tap Lamar and Andrews. I did that today in a puppy because mm-hmm. I was like, this isn't going to change in the next whatever. Yeah. So I might as well, I took Andrews first. Cause I was like, I'd rather have, I'd rather just grab Andrews, but then Lamar, I got him. And I think it was like CMC. That's actually pretty fun. I didn't, I yeah. had to pound wide receivers for the next few rounds, but. I, I could also see fields falling too, just because I think we're all sort of in agreement that the quarterback ADP just doesn't just doesn't jive right. For whatever reason, yeah. it just feels kind of wrong and fields doesn't have the natural stacking partner there. Yeah. And I could see more, I could see more sliding to the start of the fifth. I think there's a lot of FUD from more like, will fall when projections there's a lot of FUD from ETR and those type of guys yeah. and more. So if he falls to the fifth, then I could see fields falling to the late fourth. I, I could see that it's hard. It's just so much harder with, I mean, we talk about Allen falling, but again, like I'd say the absolute floor that these guys fall is the mid third, right? Like I think it's impossible. They fall farther. Than, I agree. Like, I, could see I agree. Allen goes at three, eight to pair with Diggs. I think that's his floor. The Holmes goes at three, seven to pair with Kelsey. That's his floor. Yeah. Hertz goes at three, 10 to pair with Brown floor. Like no chance that AJ Brown drafters. So no one's, no one's at the three, Four turn going. I'll push and see if I get hurt. Yeah, on the comeback. No. Like no, you just grab hurts. No, tear him up. Yeah. So I so agree. that's the thing. It's like if we're if we're talking about a, like a maximum full round, like fall. Like sure, I, I'm with you, Pat. I'm I'm rooting for these guys to fall. Like I would love to be able to take Pollard, uh, Ramondre, Brees over these guys and still get them in the mid third. Uh, probably probably not going to happen. And even if it does, it's not going to be some kind of like massive massive fall. So like I'm starting to. I'm starting to like think about like it sounds like you're doing with writing an article. Like I'm starting to think about okay, I can't tell myself this story of <laughs> they're gonna fall later in the summer and I'll get them then. Like I've kind of been lying to myself with that, so I got to start thinking about how I'm, I'm actually gonna approach these guys, which I don't I honestly don't have fully figured out yet, but certainly something I'm thinking about. I think they lot. might they might fit better with zero running back starts than um, 
I mean, they certainly would Probably. fit with any start, but like what I was thinking is the same way, like I thought running back, running back starts fit nicely with three wide receiver, th- sorry, three quarterback builds last year. The reason I thought that is because I was noticing that if you're going to go three quarterback, you you don't want to like push it too far. You still want to get guys who've got a little bit of upside um, that can help you in the playoffs and everything. So if you're going running back, running back, then you don't need to worry about running back in that kind of classic zero running back range as much. Maybe you grab one guy, but you don't need to grab, you know, you can grab one and be done. So those strategies kind of paired nicely. And I think the same thing's happening here in the reverse, where if you grab an elite quarterback, then you can punt quarterback too. Like you can, like if you have like Hertz, you could like do a Nico Collins, Schultz, uh, Stroud thing. You can do a Mingo Bryce Young. Like you just need a guy who's going to like fill in for a couple weeks here and there. Yeah. Cover your bye week. You've already made the bet that Hertz is the guy who's, who's going to win you the money in the playoffs. And so punting that pick out of that like kind of juicier running back range, I actually think it sets you up nice, really nicely for for zero running back. So that's like one I of like the things that. I'm going to be uh, going to be writing up. That makes sense. Let's get back to like some of our um, our disagreements here, and I'll quickly read off like for for the audio listeners. I, I promise Pete I'd service you guys. The biggest closing line values we're seeing um, in terms of our predicted ADP versus now is Josh Jacobs, Brees Hall, Tony Pollard, Jameer Gibbs, Ramondre, Mark Andrews, Saquon, and Bijan. So all running backs, Mark Andrews. Our biggest closing line losses that we're predicting, Metcalf, Olave, Derrick Henry, Josh Allen, Jalen Waddell, Jalen Hurts, T. Higgins. So just wanted to give that quickly to audio listeners. Let's get into our disagreements. We started with Gibbs. Uh, Davis, didn't want to cut you off there. Um, what's your case for – you have Gibbs as the highest out of the three of us at He's, 27. What's, what's this, is, this is just classic fantasy football. This is just – I've seen this story a million times. The rookie, he's going to look sick in training camp. The coaches are going to love him. Um, it's it's just – and people love rookies. People love uh, pass-catching running backs, like all this stuff. Everyone's going to bring up the the high-value touches that DeAndre Swift got, and they're going to be like, what if the coaches like Jameer Gibbs and he's in a 60-40 instead of a 40-60? And it just I, – I, I closed my eyes and seen it all play out so perfectly. And Montgomery's ADP will fall a little bit. Gibbs's will rise a little bit. Also, then Goff's ADP will correspondingly go up. I just think there's just going to be Lions pub. Like if they're just going to be mm-hmm. one of those teams this off season that gets the pub. Um, I can see that. Yeah. It just, it just feels, it feels like we already have like wrote of his articles about like Jameer Gibbs <laughs> is the highest upside player in every fantasy draft. Like it just, it, it, it is what it is. I Pat, do. You want to give think... the you want to get the devil's advocate. It sounds like Davis making good points and maybe swayed you a little bit, but you want to give the, the, the FUD on Gibbs a little. Not, not all of the industries on board. And I think they have legitimate pushback, you know, and even I'm like a big Gibbs guy for Dynasty, but I've been saying the whole time, like, hey, if I take Gibbs, I'm almost treating it like he's my like sixth round pick. Like I like flip picks and I'm like, I'm trying to I'm trying to go get like a Brian Robinson or someone who's like super boring. That's just going to help get me points at running back because I've taken like a flyer pick in the third round. Because I don't think Gibbs is going to add much early in the season. He's 199 pounds. He's going to be 
playing like the swift role. We know they are going to be running a committee. Like they're not going to, nor should they really hand this guy the job as a rookie, an undersized guy, kind of more of a passing down guy. I think down the line, he could be a fantasy superstar and potentially by the end of this season. But I do think that people are going to be pointing out all along the way in terms of his rise, like, hey, we're not projecting him to play more than 50% of the snaps. And he's 199 pounds. Yeah, what's and his he's goal not line actually role? that good of a between yeah. the tackle. Yeah, he's not going to get goal line touches. Montgomery's there who does everything. Montgomery has size. He's shown he can play in all facets of the game. They paid him a lot of money. That counter narrative is going to exist. Yeah, they paid him time. a lot of money and then they took Gibbs 12th overall. <laughs> like, I mean, look, I, I'm not drafting a lot of Dave Montgomery. I'm just saying. Gonna I, be, think... I, I just, it's going to be one of the most phenomenal things when I, whoever the Lions play week one, when David Montgomery gets 21 carries for 83 yards and a one yard <laughs> touchdown, and Jameer Gibbs has three carries for 18 yards and one catch for 15 yards. Like, people I am, are going to lose am... their minds. Here's what I'll say. You know, listen, Dave Montgomery, people out there, uh, Roto Pat, famously a David Montgomery guy. Uh, I, where you, I appreciate the pushback that you're going to do in draft season, but don't victory lap Montgomery after week one. You're going to yeah, give it, yeah, give it a little dangerous. more time. Yes, yeah, it'll take a while. I think yeah. actually the best King King Coakley, Coakley uh, Rob in the chat. This is this is probably the best answer here. I don't think drafter. I don't think DraftKings is going to make you pay a higher price for Gibbs. He'll be cheaper. He'll be Pro- cheaper. probably be cheaper because all the sickos are on underdog, even though it's half PPR. If Gibbs hits in a big way, the leverage he's going to provide you is going to be much bigger in a full PPR site than half PPR site. So I think honestly, like it sounds like a cop out, but I think this is like close to the optimal way to play it. Like go to drafters, go to DK, get that third round, fourth round Gibbs probably fade him a little bit in underdog i think that's gonna be my approach if he gets to where davis is going i think i will right now i'm still taking him i yeah i'm not even three four i'm not even saying he should be ranked. yeah i'm not even saying he should be ranked there i just know fantasy football drafters sure. and they can't help themselves yeah i do there. think he will get like you're, you're already seeing a little bit davis you're right that at some point this summer he's gonna surge to like 28 and people are gonna be like what the fuck's going on? And then I think we'll probably fall back down, but we, we that, memes, that's going to happen. We yeah. meme Sky Moore to the eighth round, and we're saying Jameer Gibbs can't be a late second round pick. Like, I don't believe it. If, I saw, if the Lions yeah. weren't so nuts and he went to the Chiefs, then I would believe it. But the Lions oh, ruined it. Would, he'd be a first round pick, right? If they had taken him. I they don't had think he'd be him. a first round pick, would he? Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor on the Colts or Jameer Gibbs on the Chiefs? <laughs> Gibbs, that's it. Gibbs, yeah, it's actually, yeah, not that hard because they didn't sign McKinnon in this case. Yeah, fuck. Oh, you're right. God damn. Let, let's talk. Uh, let, let's move on to Derrick Henry. Um, Davis didn't even rank Derrick Henry in the top three rounds, which I thought was some kind of uh bit. Uh, it's and, it's uh, not a bit. I yeah. I actually thought about this long and hard. Okay, let, let's let's hear because I have him at 26. Pat has him at 30. I think his ADP is like 28. So. Pat and I would have had him like not really moving at all. Davis, you're saying he slides a bunch. Let's let's hear this. So case. I think there are there are a couple different things. Obviously, um, I think the first one is we're all sort of anticipating a Tannehill trade at some point. Yeah, yeah. Or so, to some degree, that's going to immediately basically make the Titans the worst offense in the AFC. Like wh- whoever's doing projections, they're going to have a very hard time with the Traylon Burks, Chigakonkwo, Will Levis offense getting them to any sort of reasonable degree of offensive success. Also think there's a non-zero chance he gets traded, right? I mean, there's just no point to what they're doing, and I can't really find a landing spot 
where he would go and he would get this same sort of inhuman workload he's gotten there. And then the other thing is, and I don't know who this is going to be, but there's going to be a couple running backs who really end up rising. I think the best candidate is probably Brees Hall, where we get an early report, no brace, feeling good, feeling great. He goes up. Now, that's not reflected in my ranks because I think the more likely thing is the other way. I think we get bad injury news on Brees Hall before we get good. But I just, I'm just saying, and or Kenneth Walker, right? Kenneth Walker. Maybe they, maybe Charbonnet comes into camp and Pete Carroll's like, you know, we're starting to get, um, who is the, who is the running back for the Titans who they took really early and then literally never played him? Uh, Darrington Evans. No, no. This is a long time ago. This is I loved oh. this guy. This, this is like White? no. This is like 20, 2015 Titans. This is Pete. oh 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 Bishop Sankey. Bishop Sankey. That's yes, right. right. So so Charbonnet comes in and they're like, this guy can't play. Right. Then Kenneth Walker goes back up to running back ten. I think Ramondre. Right. If we get to August first and the Patriots haven't signed anyone else, and it's Ramondre Stevenson, Pierre Strong, Kevin Harris, and James Robinson. I think we see him rise. Uh, what if uh, Joe Mixon, no cut, no suspension, no arrest, right? I just think there are a lot of different like running backs who have question marks who could go up. I don't know who it's going to be. And I don't see any way the market views Henry more favorably, right? I don't see any scenario where the market looks at his price right now and goes, that's too low. I think I, I kind of get what you're saying. but I like, like that. Let me let me just give like the, the donkey-brained, like, box score checker take on Derrick Henry. Henry last Gober. Two, last two seasons, uh half PPR points per game, 23 and 20. Like he literally has a ceiling that other running backs like can't touch in half PPR besides like McCaffrey. Besides 29 Jean. years old though. He's 29 I, I'm, I'm years just, old in a situation I, I'm not, crumbling. I'm not saying that like I, I hear that Pat, but like are people taking Debo's 140 points last year over Derrick Henry's like 300 like I just I, depends I, I how many see, piss boys we can recruit. Yeah, I just yeah. don't see the, I don't see him falling that far. I I do think that you know my ranking at twenty six is maybe a little ambitious. I was I was pricing in just like you know nothing changes for the Titans. Same situation basically as the last two years. He's not really showing signs of slowing down. He was at eighteen draft. points per game last year. Uh, half PPR twenty twenty two and then eighteen, and he's twenty nine years old. 2022 20, and 18. Wait, what did I say? I thought you said he had 20 last year. Oh, uh, okay. Anyway. Anyways, yeah. Something in that uh, range. Tarek Tarek Bryant Jr. made a great point in the chat. Uh if they play Houston in week 17, invalidated, he'll be he'll be right back up. No, like everyone's looking at that. If he plays Houston in week 17, I'll be drafting him in the second right. round. Yeah. No, I'll, <laughs> I'll take him. I'll take him. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm still seeing the issue. Anyways, not to get hung, not to get hung up on the the 20 points per game. I'm surprised you didn't put Brock. Right. I'm surprised you didn't put Brock Purdy at 36, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about it. Oh no, Pat, you're you're right. You're right, Pat. Um, I was wrong on that. I think I was looking at PPR points per game. Anyways, um, yeah, I still think it, that it, like I mean the PPR point though is I I think one thing that's a little bit tough with him too is that they just drafted Taji Spears who like literally doesn't have an ACL but they but they they're playing he's playing through it like he's he doesn't he was like a full participant in everything hey jay didn't have didn't have an ACL. he didn't have cartilage i didn't think i thought he had his acls uh 
but like Spears is a passing down back and and a pretty talented receiver. So the whole like this offense is totally fizzling out, like the the plan is no longer working anymore thing. I mean, one thing that saved Henry last year was that they actually threw to him a little bit. He had 41 yeah. targets last year. That was a career high. 33 receptions was a career, career high. Career high by like a billion. Like, yeah, like, by like a by billion. Like, yeah. Yeah. It was like it was almost twice what he had the previous season. But I don't. Um, I just like Levis. Well, if if Levis is the ago, guy, there's if the Levis is the guy they're starting. Like this offense is just gonna be. It's gonna be so bad. Like it's gonna yeah, be yeah. really really bad. Yeah. I still. I like. I think you guys are all making valid points. Again, my rankings. I'd probably have him at thirty or something close to that. I, I just. still I still see a lot of. Yeah, Sam. You for, and I were close, right? Oh, you had twenty six. Yeah. I had thirty. Yeah. Yeah, and again, that's my prediction. Like my ranking probably would be like 30, 29, something like that. I don't know, man. People people are gonna love Derrick Henry. I think like him sliding past. I'm Debo I'm probably wrong. I'm probably wrong. Just the, the Derrick Henry people, they're just they are who they are and they have no interest that's in true. changing. That's David true. Kitchen's like three drafts per year are gonna prop him up a lot too when he takes him one oh one. So you gotta factor that in. Um, he's he's such a meme like players that are memes are are harder to see big vacillations on because people just generate such a strong feeling about drafting them uh and i should have taken that into more consideration in this exercise it is tough though because it's like you know okay am i going to take henry or jameer gibbs if if i'm a henry drafter that's a no-brainer i'm taking henry henry and travis Etienne, same thing same thing but ramondre josh jacobs I could like, see yeah, Henry drafters. Are... I could see Henry drafters being more into those guys. Yeah. 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 That, like those are real true. running backs. Like those are workhorse running backs. That's like an appealing archetype, really for everybody. But I think for a Henry type drafter as well. So, or like Nick Chubb. If you know, are you gonna? I mean, and, and the guy is probably taking Nick Chubb and then grabbing Derrick Henry in the third. Like this is a start. You're gonna see Travis Kelsey, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry. Like that's gonna be a that's start. A They're high. gonna be like, I already won. That's a high. I already won right there. <laughs> the the biggest thing that I actually thought I had different than you guys in terms of what it would do to draft structure was I had Eckler all the way down at 17, where Pollard's going. Um, yeah, that one was interesting. That just I, missed the cut. Mm-hmm. So, reason being, the Chargers are simply signing another running back, right? Yeah. They yeah. just, and it's, I, I, you know, God help me. I think it's probably going to be Zeke at this point. Um, but, you know, it could be anybody, dude. It could be Fournette. It could be Kareem Hunt. It, it could be anybody. But it, it's going to be telegraphing that they're not building the entire plane out of a 4.88 a dot. Like, they're just, they're just going to say Austin Eckler is not catching 100 passes in the middle of a contract dispute. It's not happening. So, yeah, I, I think they probably are signing someone. You're kind of our I know you're ex cowboys at this point, but like you would have you would know better than anybody. What's Kellen Moore and Zeke's relationship like? Are they is that gonna help or I mean it's it sounds it sounds like there was it was um never acrimonious between those two guys. Okay. But you do have to think Kellen Moore was probably the one guy in the coaching room being like we got to play Pollard more because even the running back coach, even the running back coach who works with these guys every day and is acutely aware of what they can and can't do was like Pollard can't play more than 30 snaps in a a game or he'll break, you know? Uh, And clearly Jerry, uh, you know, like old yellering Zeke was the hardest thing. (laughs) 
he ever oh, had to he's do. Nev- he's, he'll never recover. <laughs> he'll never, he'll he'll never, never get recover. over it. Yeah, it's, he's going to wish he had more time with Zeke. That's, but, that's what he's going to wish. But what would, I, I guess my question to you guys would be, is is what is the best case uh, resolution to this Austin Eckler contract thing? Because he himself, in his own words, he said playing for the Chargers this season is the worst case outcome. It's the worst thing that could happen to him as a football player. I think status quo is his best bet at this point, to be honest. I, I don't see, like, I guess you could dream and make up some, some scenario where the Vikings cut Dalvin Cook and trade Frost neck. Like, sure, there's some, like, fantasies I can tell you that, that aren't maybe entirely implausible, but the most realistic best outcome for him, I think, are just status quo, you know, Fournette signs with the the Bengals, like Kareem Hunt signs with the Vikings or whatever, and sure. it's just Eckler and we know, you yeah, very Roundtree and you know whoever else is in there. And we does- we have the chat, we have the chat saying the Chargers really like Joshua Kelly. To which I would respond, no one really likes Joshua Kelly. Joshua Kelly's yeah, own that's, parents. That's are why like- they drafted uh, two running backs <laughs> after Joshua Kelly. And, they, and right. desperately tried to replace him. I love him so much. It's, <laughs> it's funny <laughs> every day they think about how they, much like, they love this. He guy. was the biggest of those dust ball running backs they tried to uh, draft. He was the best of like four. Like there was like yeah. three guys worse than him. Which I, is just I forgot Isaiah Spiller existed until this moment. Right? And now. what was the other guy? Dobbin, Daba, something. Larry Roundtree. Larry Roundtree. That's I was. That's who Larry, I meant. Larry. Sony. Sony. Michelle. Sony Michelle was involved, uh, both with Pat's yeah. Best Ball Mania winning team and the Los Angeles Chargers last season. Also, he did point, nothing for both teams. I had to make some like uh, Sony Michelle touting him as a you know free agent pickup in the MFFPC main event. I got to delete some of those tweets from last a year. A point. A point. I also just thought. <laughs> I didn't know about that. Having, <laughs> Having a competent wide receiver fill in for uh, Keenan Allen's yearly uh, four-week absence from the lineup, that's going to make a difference too, I think. Having Quentin Johnston yeah. instead of Jalen yeah, yeah. Guyton, that that feels like I think Eckler's, yeah. I think Eckler's receiving projection and potentially his rushing projection takes a bit of a hit this year. Uh, again, like where I'd have Eckler ranked, I think I'm kind of like with you, Davis, like maybe 15, 16. I'm just not sure people are going to like bake all those factors. Into they will account, if, but if, Eckler if they sign Eckler, a running back. Yeah. If they yeah, sign a running back. Yeah. They yeah. Will. yeah. Look, if the established yeah. the run rankings come out when they post them and Austin Eckler is 17, that's like it's, I mean, what if he's that, 23 because they signed well, Fournette. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, people, but people are just straight up like a, a, a larger portion of the pool than you realize are just straight up importing establish the run underdog best ball mania rankings and using that as their guide yeah that's fair um okay let's talk maybe one more player here we touched on Brees hall a little bit maybe this one is as simple as like davis had him at 28 me and pat had him at uh pat had him 19 i am at 21 i think this is as simple as like davis you're assuming the median scenario is like slightly bad news for the acl tear pat and i are assuming slightly good news for the acl tear End of story. Is that just kind of what we're thinking here? I just bet against injury guys. That's like my, it's probably like my number one thing in fantasy football, honestly. I mean, it's fair. I just think Brees. Okay. Again, like uh, not to get away from the exercise too much. I get the argument that he would fall with bad injury news. Like I think your ranking of 28 Davis is like entirely plausible. This is, this is a very binary one, right? Like we're going to get some news. It's going to be good. It's going to be bad. He's going to go one direction or the other. 
Man, I just think that like he's the guy you make the exception on for for the the injury risk, and you know this will probably burn you more times than it'll help you. But just with, with what he showed last year, I want to believe he has the Jamal Charles, you know, post ACL tear being the RB one in fantasy. You know, I want to believe he has the Adrian Peterson season in him post ACL tear, uh, just because he's a young freak athlete, all that. But I definitely see the argument. It's I mean, I I, really I get it. I'm not even saying I won't take Breesaw. The the big issue right now is you can just take Pollard and Ramondre every time yeah. there, and I have I have no concerns about those guys at all. And that's, that's what I maybe been doing. I mean maybe Brees. The thing is though is you could really be missing the boat because. I would take Brees ahead of Jacobs and Chubb, assuming 100% health. Like, he's sure, got – I'd take him ahead of Taylor. Yeah. Well, Jonathan Taylor – so I also rank Taylor ahead of you guys because, I mean, a couple reasons. The first one being uh, I just think uh, very similar to Henry. He's just kind of mimetic. Like, he just – he is that guy. But also – if we just get if we get good stuff about Anthony Richardson and good stuff about the Colts, like it feels like the market. Uh, we were talking about this in our uh, ADP chasing thread, and I kind of agreed with Sam's take that Anthony Richardson is not good for Jonathan Taylor, but it Very also bad. might be good for them to just be like a better, more functional offense instead of having yeah. Sam Ellinger at quarterback. You know, like it just got, it got to be such a mess. For it's the still Colts an improving situation for Taylor. Yeah, it doesn't that's, mean that's that... my point. Like if they took if they traded up for Stroud, that's the best case scenario. Or they trade up for Bryce Young, you know. But if yeah, compared to what they were, like it's a hell of a lot better than them going. We're not taking quarterback. We're good, you know. So that I just think, no matter how many dump off passes, you know, you're giving up with Anthony Richardson, the offense could be quite a bit better. Sure, so, but I guess I guess my counter to that is like like using last year as a baseline saying it's going to get better. Yeah, I agree. It's like the offense will probably be better. Taylor was fucking like a terrible pick last year. Like he got 12 Dude, the Colts were points per game. Like the Colts so, were so, worse than I remember. They were saying, yeah. They were so bad. They were so they bad. Were is, like, it has to get a lot. It has to get a lot better for him, right? Like not just like a little bit better, like yeah. But these sorry, were sorry, these dude, were not to get you these off. These are teams that scored more points and gained more yards per play than the Indianapolis Colts last season. The Los Angeles Rams, right? We're all laughing at the Los Angeles Rams. They were better. The uh, Arizona Cardinals, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Washington Commanders, the Denver Broncos, one of the largest shipwrecks in fantasy football history were markedly better. Like I, I had, I had forgot. Honestly, I'd forgotten. Like there's things you forget over the context. I just did not realize they were this bad. Yeah, they hired they a coach truly. off the ESPN set. Not exactly uh, <laughs> the best process. Jeff Saturday. They literally did. They were like that. They literally, he fucking was watching TV. He was like, "That's my coach. Let's get him in here tomorrow." Wow. Okay. Oh man. Hey, yeah. What could go wrong? Yeah. What a what a disaster. Um. Okay, so I, I want to do a bit because uh, I guess I'm I'm the Taylor bear here a little bit, and I, I made that case in our in our Discord. I guess I'll outline it here a little bit for people. Um, it's essentially that rushing quarterbacks are elite. Rushing quarterbacks are really terrible for the ceiling of a fantasy running backs. Not to say that you know you can't have guys that you take in the sixth, seventh round attached to an elite rushing quarterback that are good picks. Like certainly. I think that's true, but I think when we're talking about a guy going in the first round with a quarterback that projects to a 
steal a bunch of goal line rushing B not really dump down to running backs in the passing game because uh, he could scramble instead and also likes to throw deep. We know that about Richardson and C like we all like Richardson, I think, but you know, you have to admit there's a chance that the Colts are just a bottom five offense next year and just terrible. Like there's, there's a lot of things that have to go right for Taylor to pay off his first round cost. And again, like he, he's a meme. You can just say that like Taylor go burr and like, I, I kind of get it to, to some extent, but I think like I would probably rather have Saquon Eckler, Jacobs, Pollard, Chubb um, over Taylor. I, uh, I got to be honest. In my rankings. I'm taking Taylor over Eckler in 0.5 PPR like pretty much sight unseen yeah me too plus i mean we have the signing risk like you know sure sure okay then what's the like let's let's do this i mean you're right the the argument is he's like really fucking good that's the argument the argument is really good and that's what the jonathan taylor argument is it's just like he's sick yeah sick dude he was an amazing prospect he he came in he was in he was insanely good two years ago the offense is going to get back on its feet, at least to some extent. The best thing that he does is run the ball. That's what he does best. He's yeah. a fine receiver, but that's not like his bread and butter. His bread and butter is running the ball and explosive runs. And aren't running Anthony Richardson's going to good. open that up. Aren't running quarterbacks good for yard like yards per carry and success Yeah, they are. They boost yards like per carry, yeah. Yeah, but I think pretending that rushing yards are more important than receptions and I'm TVs, not pretending that. I'm not no, no, no. I'm not saying you are. I'm just, I'm just saying that like you can use that argument, but like the, I, I agree. You know, that's true. It's good for yards per carry. You could be wildly efficient, but like, show me the TD upside. Show me the receiving upside. Like, I think you need one of those things in a pretty big way, and it, it just feels like a lot. Like, I, I can't tell myself a story with Jonathan Taylor and Anthony Richardson pay off their their ADPs with Richardson going in the sixth round, like. So I, I was look. I, I have in my spreadsheet here for the legendary upside stuff, green zone opportunities per game. Uh, so over the, the career of all these backs, um, adjusted it slightly for some uh, who had like major changes in situation. But Eckler, or sorry, Taylor, I have for his career, uh, two green zone opportunities per game. That's the highest of any of these running backs. Dalvin Cook was second, 1.9. Joe Mixon had 1.8. Uh, Josh Jacobs at 1.8. Compared to like uh, Tony Pollard, 0.4. So, yes, I get that Anthony Richardson is going to be stealing some goal line work from him as a giant human. But I don't know. I mean, he's a rookie quarterback. Like, is are they, is he going to – and you have Jonathan Taylor. Like, I guess I'm a little bit less concerned about Anthony Richardson being the goal line runner than you are. I think he's definitely going to get some work there. But Taylor was getting fed at the goal line. There's no other running back who's even remotely uh, alive to steal any of that work. I mean, Evan Hall, they're not bringing in Evan Hall at the goal line, like ever. I kind of forgot that Hines isn't even on the team anymore. Like this, like he could, he could have a Henry volume season. Like he could have 380 touches. I I guess that's my point, right? Like you're, you're making a, you have to admit you're making a Derrick Henry two years ago. It's Derrick Henry. Yeah. It's Derrick. Okay. So if you're you're going to that 24 years old and he's, he's an incredible runner. I mean, you, you talk about Chubb, like Chubb's 27 years old and, you know, he had a really bad knee injury in college. Like I, like all the data that I've been looking at is saying like, you really, you actually, if anything, we're like giving, if you're talking about running back ceiling, we're extending things too long, but we should actually start to get nervous about the ceiling earlier than we are. 
And so when I look at a guy like Nick Chubb, obviously the offense is way better. Like the offensive environment, way more interesting. Chubb could potentially catch some passes this year as well. Like I kind of like Chubb actually for like the first time in five years, but he's 27 years old. There's a big difference between that and someone who's 24. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I I really think like the the tailored ceiling case like can hit. It's not impossible. We've seen like this setup for Derrick Henry more or less hit like a, just a really efficient rusher, not going to catch passes. But now you're making the Derrick Henry bet, but the team has Derrick Henry at quarterback who's going to score rushing touchdowns, and it's going to be a bad like if the Colts are as good as those Ryan Tannehill led Titans offenses. Like I'll bet with anybody on that. Like those Titans Tannehill offenses are going to be way better than this year's Colts offense. Like I'll, I'll bet even money with anybody on that. Like no questions asked, like, man, Tannehill was really good some of those years and he wasn't like stealing goal line work from Henry. So I don't know, man, I I get what you guys are saying. Like I'm, I'm going to have a pretty hard fade on Taylor at this price. And I'm, I'm willing to accept that. Do you think he falls or do you think you just don't, you don't like the price? I think he falls. So I'll, I'll show this now. Um, Jonathan Taylor, since uh you know i'm a market mover out here since i since i made that tweet on taylor he's down four spots he's down Man. four spots second biggest fall 13 overall you know i'm seeing in pete's streams he's like oh are you guys really gonna let me take taylor at pick 17 i, I honestly think like when the projections come out people are gonna remember taylor last year with a sour taste in their mouths like i think he's gonna i think he's gonna slide but that's just me like right. I, i'm willing to you know go with the i take in the mid-second yeah, exactly. That's that's when I would like to take him. So maybe it's a little bit of wish casting for me. Um, but um, I had this exercise. I'm going to skip through it. Um, I wanted you guys to try to find Taylor, Chubb, and Jacobs on this chart. I took the last three years of data um, and just looked at PPR points per game, or sorry, half PPR points per game, receptions per game, yards per game. Uh, do you guys want to do this quickly, or should I just show you the answers? Because I think it's a little interesting. These are all samples of like 40 games too. So they're pretty big samples. Well, I mean, the eight, just based on the ages. Yeah. Uh, Henry, the, the Henry, Henry one's is... the top one. Cause he's the 20, yeah. he's 29. Yeah. That, that one has to be Henry. Right. So where, where do you think, um, you know, I, I, I who are the others? I'm going to, sh- I'm going to show it all to right. you guys. Um, so I, I was trying to make the point that essentially like Jacobs and Taylor, I think like, I get the arguments for Chubb, um, Taylor ahead of Chubb. The ones with Jacobs versus Taylor, for me, it's just like we like running backs to catch passes. Jacobs catches pa- more passes than Taylor. He's definitely going to project to do that this year. You know, yards per game, Jacobs and Taylor last three years are basically the same. You know, points per game, Jacobs, Taylor the last three years, not that different. I get that Taylor's ceiling, uh, which he showed two years ago, is better than Jacobs' ceiling, which he showed last year. Like, Certainly you have that argument and, you know, you can make the speed argument with Taylor breakaway runs, that sort of thing. But again, look at, you know, we're talking about rushing talent, PFF rush grades last three years, Jacobs first, 10th, 20th, Taylor 51st, third, 10th. Like, I I don't think they're that as different as people view them as talents. Like in sort of any metric you look at, they're not, they're not that different. We have this like idea in our head that Jacobs is this gross dead zone back. Taylor's this like elite talent. I mean, they're basically the same age. Th- that's my point, basically. Like the, the situation for Jacobs this year looks so much better than Taylor for me. And I don't think they're that different of talent. So like I think they should at least be close. Um, but yeah, uh, curious. 
you're just not going to get so Jacobs is like an okay rusher, but uh, this is Rotoviz's rush yards, uh, fantasy points over expected per game rushing. And Josh Jacobs uh, is at 1.1, which is like fine. That's that's what Austin Eckler has. That's what uh, Christian McCaffrey has. So, it, but it's more kind of like the workhorse bet. Um, Jonathan Taylor is at 2.3. Derrick Henry is at 2.4. Brees Hall is at 2.7, which is why I'm so excited about him if he was healthy. Nick Chubb, one of the reasons Nick Chubb was at 2.5. So those guys, I would say those right now are like your four potentially, and we'll see, you know, age, health, all the stuff. But like those four, I think are in a bit of a different tier because they provide a lot more explosion. I mean, Jake, Jacobs doesn't really provide you any explosion as a rusher. He's a, he's a chunk play runner and he's good. He's good at that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's fair. I mean, I don't know, 53 catches last year, 2,000 yards from scrimmage. Like, I get that was sort of his ceiling. Um, but, Well, yeah. are you worried about that? So that's been one thing that's tough with me with Jacobs. A little bit like, and I do take him because the price is um, pretty good. Like, the price mm-hmm. on all these guys does feel pretty good right now. I'm taking him a lot more than I would, you know, had expected to. But even last year, he had 17.9 half-point PPR points per game. Um, it was good, but like it was especially good because of where you got him, you know? Yeah. So if we're, if we're saying like, oh, we should be taking him where Taylor goes, like, I don't know, last year really felt like kind of the ceiling to me. And then you're moving to Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. I'm not really a Jimmy believer. I think the offense could be not that it was great last year, but I don't know. It might've been kind of a perfect storm for a running back. Yeah. That we were kind of, we kind of had given up on as a talent and then he comes surging back to life, but he did it with good efficiency for sure but mostly by just consolidating the entire backfield. And he's a, he's a pretty strong favorite to do that again. Right. I don't know. I mean, for, but, first in PFF rush grade, like, I, I get that like that's not everything, but like I, I'm going to push back a little bit on Jacobs not being a good talent at running back. Like I think no, I'm not saying he's not, I'm saying he's, I'm saying Taylor is potentially elite talent at running back. And I think, I think, the, you know, yeah. guys like Chubb Taylor, I mean, Taylor had rush yards over expected two years ago. He was off the fucking charts. I mean, the guy was, let's see. Uh, well, he wasn't because Rashad Penny actually was 2.1, but he was, he finished third at 1.48 ahead of Nick Chubb. Tony Pollard was fifth. Um, so, I mean, he, what he showed as a rusher and on a big workload, he had 481 yards over expected two years ago. Chubb had 269. Uh, he was like handling massive volume and providing elite efficiency on top of it so it's more for me the taylor side of this that i'm arguing i think jacobs is like a good runner sure taylor flashed elite ability jacobs never has yeah so i i get i see some pushback in the chat like my argument is not that these are bad stats for taylor like these these are really good stats and again he had one pretty bad year in here so taylor's ceiling is certainly really good I just think like your first round pick, the downside of the team situation, again, could be a horrible team, a running back that's not going to throw the, or a quarterback that's not going to throw the running back and a quarterback that like, if he's good, he's going to be a fucking monster at the goal line and taking a bunch of touch, a bunch of touchdowns. So like, you know, I'm thinking like how Justin Fields just sucked up all the running back points from the bears backfield last year, how Jalen Hurts did that two years ago. Like that's like the median outcome. I think honestly for this type of offense. And I just don't get, I don't see the point of like taking that type of risk 
um, in, as your first round pick uh, in this tournament. But you guys are making good points. Like I, I you know, I, I see both sides of it. But that's I think that's he'll where be. Yeah, I think he'll fall to the early second. I think you're probably right about that. Or maybe even the mid. I mean, falls to the mid second. I mean, I mean, Sam, please uh, get those tweets out there. I, I want mid second. Jonathan Taylor, like, don't yeah, I would, I would be, I would have no qualms at that price. Like, I it feel it's an uneasy click for me, sort of at that at that turn, but at like seventeen or whatever, pretty easy. Yeah, click. I took, I think it was Adams Taylor at the at the one twelve, yeah. and I was doubling it up, and I I like looked at him, I looked at Taylor, I was like, we doing this? We're doing it, you know. But it's like that kind of, it's not like you're smashing the button at one twelve, so I, yeah. I could see him falling for sure. Paul says, uh, neither of those QBs at RBs with JT's talent. I agree with that. S- someone give me an example of the elite rushing quarterback who ran for, you know, 700 plus yards and-, and their running back who was, you know, a top three running back in fantasy. Like, I don't think that exists. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Some- someone give me the example of that. Uh, I just don't think it exists. But it's going to be anyways, a small sample. So, um, yeah. yeah but- it may have never really happened before, you know, that you would have had a guy that would qualify at Taylor's level. Yeah. But yeah, I get, I get, I totally get where you're coming from. I mean, it is thin. It, it's a two down rushing profile, uh, which Mitch makes it thinner. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. The Newton, uh, the Newton CMC one is interesting, but that, that was really when Newton was no longer uh, rushing for like, you know, yeah, people, people said that about, CMC though that was that People was did. that was a thing but but that I mean was again comparing like, CMC can't be drafting CMC because yeah. he's mm-hmm. not going to get dumped off you know that's fair yeah. but comparing CMC's receiving talent to Jonathan Taylor's again like be be careful the reason CMC hit is because he was an absolute like what he caught 105 passes like that's yeah. the reason he hit that year I know but they were like there was a thing of like Cam doesn't check down Cam's never gonna throw to the running back so like sure if, yeah look, I get that I get that. Yeah, I mean, and I don't know. I mean, Richardson's super inaccurate to the shallow area of the field, which is a major problem. But I do think that's more of a concern for like a Josh Downs or whatever, you know, or like maybe even a Pittman to some extent where it's like he's not like he's going to miss throws. But like maybe the tape guy's got to tell me, like, can can he not? He can't do this. He can't get it to Jonathan Taylor two yards away. Like they might build it. You might see some like kind of, you know, deep, like deep and then read to Taylor quick dump offs. Like there might not be a lot of like underneath reads for him early on. Cause he sucks at that. So I, I don't know. I guess like for me, it is kind of just the, the caveman take of like, <laughs> Jonathan Taylor's really fucking good, dude. Like they'll figure yeah. out a way to get him the ball. Like, and I don't think he, all the touchdowns are going to the quarterback and I don't think he's not going to catch any passes this year. So like if the offense is going to be better and Jonathan Taylor's still healthy and young, I'm going to take Jonathan Taylor. It's a fair argument. Yeah, um, with that, I will still be fading with that price, but I totally hear where you guys are coming from. Let's move on to this chart here. Uh, largest ADP riser since last time we talked. Um, so about the last ten days. No surprise, who's number one on this chart? Um, talking about memeing players up draft boards. Anthony Richardson is approaching I, all-time sad. meme territory. I'm sad point. to report. Really <laughs> I'm sad to report that Anthony Richardson is just simply undraftable at these prices. Come on, guys. Get him in the puppy, you know? Get him in the puppy. Yeah, yeah. After him at the same price, you might as well just take him. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with that. But I just... Like, what, what's going to happen to his ADP when 
we we start to hear the first inklings that Gardner Minshew is going to start in week one. I don't think he is, man. I don't think you're getting those reports. They were they were pretty they were pretty emphatic that that yeah, I, I forget I forget that you're you're Mr. Press Conference. Um, I I, I don't I, know, man. It's just a lot. He started 13 games in college. Hey, Josh Norris watches the press conferences too, and he was saying the same thing. Evan Silva's saying the same thing. The press conference gang, we, we think this guy's playing, okay? He's playing out of the gate. I mean, I, I can't possibly stomach not having Anthony Richardson if he runs for 15 touchdowns, so, like, I'm going to take him a little bit, but I don't think I don't think this is a particularly good ADP. Where uh, would you – because to me, I like, honestly, I am still taking him some. I think I think an equitable spot for him uh, at at quarterback is like right after um, Dak, right? So Dak and Tua, like I would take Dak and Tua ahead of him. Honestly, partly just because of how good uh, Tua's stacking partners are for Week 17 stuff. You know, like having Tyreek and Waddle. Um, obviously, I'm never like I don't think I've ever taken Tua and not had those guys. So that's when the game we're playing gets a little bit weird, and it starts to be less about right. individual valuations. You know. But yeah, I, I think quarterback 12 or 13 is right about where he should be. I think he clearly has a higher one week ceiling than Daniel Jones, Kirk Cousins. Um, maybe Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I don't know. Aaron Rodgers, maybe Aaron Rodgers turns back the dial and is throwing 400 yards and four touchdowns again. I don't think so, but it, it could happen. Yeah. I mean, if I have, you know, the, the stacking partners, I'm going to, uh, uh, but you do get to a spot in the draft where there's like not a ton of opportunity cost. That is the and, other thing too, is it's kind of yeah. dead there. The end, like I've, I've lined up, I got Tyler Lockett and JSN on a team and I lined up a Gino thing and Gino went at like pick 99. So I'm like, what the, f-? you know, like I can't even get, so if Gino's yeah. pick 99, like I'm, I'm an idiot sure. for taking Richardson sure. at like 80. I'm no. fine. I feel fine. No, that's it. fine. Yeah. So I actually, to me, I'm like, I don't mind taking him over, over Dak. Like we know what McCarthy's going to do. He's going to ruin the fun. That's yeah, fun. that's true. I guess I'm thinking Dak that I, I know and love, not the Dak right. that we're about to see. So, yeah, I think, yeah. uh, I think Richardson actually is going to rise a little more. Cause I don't think yeah. people are done. I don't think everybody, some people are starting to be like, I'm good. I'm good. But like, I think he's I can I think he's gonna keep rising. I think he's gonna go. Yeah, I think he's gonna go into the mid seventies. That's where I think. That's when yeah. I think people will start. Okay, they'll like really freak out and be like, "What is happening? We ha- we can't do this." But until think, we're in the yeah. mid seventies, I don't think it stops. So a couple things I want to point out. I, I did a ADP poll, and that's that was the consensus. Um, the majority of people said in the 60 to 75 range. So yeah, call that somewhere in the middle around pick 70. Oh, that's even higher than what I thought. Yeah, that, that was the majority of responses. My take is like, I think he will get there in the next couple of weeks, but then I think there's going to be a bit of a boomerang effect at some point. Yeah. I'm not saying that we're going to get the Gardner Minshew is starting camp narratives or anything like that. I just think it's honestly like a combination of you know, maybe some some reports like ah, oh, he's looks a little rust or you know looks a little rusty out there. Doesn't know all the offensive concepts. Plus, um, you know, people who aren't sick like us and are casual college football fans are going to open the ADP and be like, that quarterback from Florida who was terrible last year is going at pick seventy five. Like, fuck that! I'm taking Dak Prescott. That's like, a good point. 
there's going to be that influx of people who are going to be like, who either who is this guy? I've never heard of him. Or I followed college football. This guy was not that good. So I think like by September, it'll go back. I'm guessing like 90-ish. So I, I think like close to where he is now. Um, that's That's my read on it. My take on his value is huh. I think he is fine where he is now, but like no longer a huge value. And like if he goes to 70, 60, I'm like probably completely out. But like at, at 85, I'm still like, I'm kind of with you guys. Like, eh, opportunity cost doesn't seem that high. You know, if I have, you know, a stacking partner for Dallas or Miami, I'm probably taking Dak or two over him. But other than that, like QB 10 seems okay to me yeah. at this point. I like your read. That that feels like what's going to happen. He's going to go up, and then he'll he'll come back down a bit. Which we is saw that with yeah. We saw it, that with maybe, Sky last year. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, get your kicks in the puppy. If you feel like you don't have enough Anthony Richardson, go get your Anthony Richardson in the puppy, because that's a closed tournament. But if you buy what Sam's saying, and I think it's a good point, then this is probably the worst time to draft him in Best Ball Mania. Yeah. yeah, I think that's true. I'm kind of with you. And it's just like, there's some unpredictability element of it too, where you like take Pittman and you're like, do I need to take Richardson at like 66 now to make sure I get him? Right. Or like, right. you're like, how do I even stack this? Like you get so insecure about it. Cause there's these psychos taking him, you know, super early. So, well, Pittman's probably better off if they start Minshew and in, in all honesty. So yeah. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't reach for Richardson too much, but. I, I've, I've done the same thing. I did the same thing today. I was like, oh, God, am I going to get Richardson? Yeah. yeah, it's tough. Let's move on to um, another sort of uh, hot topic uh, rookie riser. Dalton Kincaid is now up 100, uh, sorry, up to pick 116, up 31 spots from last time we talked. He is going, I believe, at the tight end 11 overall. So behind Fryermuth and Njoku, but ahead of guys like Dalton Schultz. Chigakonkwo, Cole Komet, Greg Dulcich, etc. Davis, I, I, so in my opinion, this is going to come down to how do you project Buffalo's slot wide receiver rotation? I can't, I can't get with this, man. Yeah, so t- tell us, tell us why why you think this is bad ADP. I mean, so like it starts with pre-draft stuff where he didn't work out at all. Um, now, obviously, he was like a good receiving prospect. You know, he was good at Utah. Uh, but so is Michael Meyer and Michael Meyer worked out. Uh, that makes me like him more, which is not, not that uh, I think Dalton Cade is, uh, you know, like Lee Smith out there, like unable, like not a good athlete or whatever. But then also it's just like a lot of like, well, okay. Is Dawson Knox dead? Uh, no. or do they, no. Yeah. Dawson. So what Liam, Liam, obviously the bull uh, Liam's thing is like Khalil Shakir, uh, Deontay Hardy like don't exist right it's like these guys are afterthoughts because the Bills really wanted Dalton Kincaid and he really is just gonna be he's they it's what he's he's Kyle Pitts right it, that that's that's really what these people are saying is that he is not really gonna be asked to block and he's just gonna be a slot wide receiver on a good offense uh I mean Kyle Pitts has never played on a good offense but I don't know I I, I like Meyer 90 picks cheaper personally that's fair. Um, Pat, any um, any hope for Kincaid at this ADP? Are you are you on Davis's side or are you more interested? This feels too high to me. I mean, 116? Like He's the that, tight end 11. Yeah, that's really, really high. 
Um, I don't know. I mean, like I said originally, I was like, look, this is a 14th round type of pick. Like this is a guy that you're like hoping for playoff spike weeks from, you know, he's not going to be a regular contributor because he's not going to be actually playing all that much. I mean, he's just not like Dawson Knox is going to be out there all the time as the tight end. I mean, they're they're I know they're saying like, oh, our our two tight end sets now like a three wide receiver set. But like teams always going to say stuff like that. They just drafted him in the first round. They're not actually going to play a tight end as their full time slot receiver. That's that's just I mean, I am ready to be like really wrong about that because it's just like what, how wrong. How wrong do. are you going to be? How wrong? Like what would Dalton Kincaid have to do? Like, t- like, you know, tight end six is like nothing. Like if Dalton Kincaid finishes tight end six with 180 uh, half point PPR points and scores 12 points in week 17, it, it affected you none. It just didn't matter. Yeah. Well, so, in the, sorry, but that. pass snaps, Kyle Pitts played 22% of his pass snaps in line as a rookie. You don't want to lose those. You know, you like we talk about tight ends blocking versus running routes. Like, I mean, maybe Arthur Smith would do this, but generally they're not, the bills are not going to have a tight end blocking on passing uh, plays all that often. It's going to be like the blocking component is about run blocking. So the ability to be in line, maybe you're looking like you're going to run and this play action play. You want your guy out there. You want him in line as a traditional tight end for the big chunk of snaps that he's going to have to play because he is technically a tight end, even if, like Kyle Pitts, he's basically a receiver. Kyle Pitts, you know, he played over 40% of his snaps in the slot. He also played over a third of his snaps out wide. I don't think Dalton Kincaid's doing that. So I think, I don't know, the Kyle Pitts stuff, like, even even that's like, even he, he isn't that guy. He's not Kyle Pitts that way. Partly because he's not even going to have a chance to play like as traditionally as Kyle Pitts. Dawson Knox is going to get all that inline stuff. Let, let me give you like a less bullish case than um, Kyle Pitts in terms of rookie year role. What about what the Broncos did with Greg Dulcich last year? I think they essentially. So I'm looking at. I'm pulling up this old stat chasing. This stuff is kind of a kind of a touchy topic, Sam. Yeah. I don't know if I, <laughs> so I want to go. Yeah, there. should we remove Davis from the stream while we talk about Greg Dulcich? Um, <laughs> we might need it, to. Anyways, I'm looking at uh, weeks 10 to 13 last year. So this is a snapshot in time, not the whole year. Greg Dulcich had like an 80% route rate. If I remember correctly, and I don't have the numbers right now, that was heavily like a slot, um, basically a slot wide receiver role. So 33% in line. 33% in line. But but still, that's yeah. like, so that, what what I'm saying, I guess like, I, I, I'm, I agree with you guys. I'm just trying to make devil's advocate case. Like what if um, Kincaid plays all two tight end sets and is like the tight end who's running the pass route Knox is in the block. And then in three wide receiver sets, he mixes in on like half of those. Like that's not crazy. I think he's got to beat out Knox. Basically Knox has to be the guy coming in for extra stuff. And he's got to be the guy out there in line playing regular tight end at this price, at this price. price. I mean, yeah. Yeah. At the, at the end of the draft, if you if you basically just have a part time guy, because what you're talking about otherwise is he's running fifty five to sixty percent of the routes, that sucks. That's like that's the cult situation from years past. Like 
that is, and we we do see that in the NFL. That's not uncommon that they would have a tight end room where like, you know, one guy runs 45% of the routes, one guy's running 55 or whatever, or they split it up. And they'll be they'll be well over a hundred percent because they will run this this two tight end set that's basically a three wide receiver thing a fair amount, but not enough. I don't think enough. He's got to and and I'm not saying he can't beat out Knox, but I think it's like maybe a taller order than the market thinks. And and I and I don't even know if that the market agrees that that's what they're betting on. But I I feel pretty strongly that is what they're betting on. At yeah, this price, is, you're betting yeah. on him to beat out Knox to at least some degree. Yeah, the thing is, like, I, I want to be in on Kincaid because I stare at that Bills pass catching core, and besides Diggs, it's like just guys that are not good at earning targets. Gabe Davis, you know, Dawson Knox, like Deontay Hardy, and whoever else. Like, man, if there, like, there is an opportunity for a number two guy and a tight end to step up, but I'm with you. Like, it seems unlikely that he earns this big role in year one. Um, but hey, maybe it's a maybe it's a week 15 through 17 play. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'm probably mostly out on this price unless I have unless I have Josh Allen and then I'm I'm gonna say fuck it and take him. Probably. Yeah, I I mean right. So so much of that comes. So much of it does literally come down to uh, yeah, just take him when you're stacking, right? I might take yeah. Knox, dude. If you're playing for touchdowns, like Knox is still gonna be out there. Knox is free. Knox is. Are you gonna free. do the the chess Liam and take both of them? No, I'm saying Kincaid is overpriced. <laughs> <laughs> I believe I've been clear. <laughs> yeah, I'm just fucking with you. Okay. Um, I'll give you guys the floor. Uh, Pat, a- any guy on this list that we've talked about guys that we actually don't like right now. Uh, I'm going to challenge you. Give me a guy on this list, a, r- a rookie riser, where you're still excited about their ADP. Um, and- Addison's still good. Gibbs still good. Bryce still good to me. Mingo, absolutely so unpalatable. So, so unpalatable to me at, at 132 as uh, Adam Thielen's, you know, jockstrap holder. <laughs> so you're hammering Adam Thielen at pick one. No, I don't. I literally, I maybe have not taken a Carolina Panther yet. I wonder, I wonder if I've taken a single Panthers player. I, I maybe haven't. So I, I have a sickness for, and this is probably something I need to get out of my game, but I, I have a sickness for, the really fucking cheap stacks, the Texans, no. the Panthers, it's, the Patriots. Tell me you're not still doing I, the feeling thing. I, hey, no. hey, I'm not doing the feeling thing. I'm doing All the mango right. thing okay. now. I've moved Go on. on. Woo, I, I was never really doing the feeling woo. thing, but there, there's yes, something. you were. You nah, were doing nah, feeling nah. Stroud. Yeah, that, that's debatable. Um, no, no one can no one can fact check my exposures. Um, <laughs> we'll get the data next year. <laughs> <laughs> but like to jump to this team start chart for a second, like. There's this thing. Look at look at Carolina. Look at Houston. Look at New England. Look at the Titans. If you're if you're actually that sick, if one of these teams is just like league average, and you take the full game stack, that's actually like huge leverage. Um, I kind of did this with the Jags last year. Like Trevor Lawrence, uh, Evan Ingram, Zay Jones, rounds 12, 16, 18. Boom, your your team's gonna advance, right? Like, and I think you can kind of make cases with Stroud, with Bryce Young. You pick the right pass catchers. You pick the tight end. So, like, that's why I'm not saying draft Thielen. I'm saying that that's why I'm okay with Mingo because it comes in such a cheap package of stacks that, like, if you get that right, that's actually huge, huge leverage for your team, I think. Um, I, I, I actually completely agree. I think you don't even have to take the quarterback, you know? Sure. You yeah, can yeah. have um, – you can get, like – and I love Chuba Hubbard where he goes. Miles Sanders is cheap enough where I'm still taking him, even though I think he's like the prototype of a dead zone running back 
which is telling, you know, I think pretty strong indication the market has shifted in some big ways. So yeah, I'll still take him in like the sixth. And then with, I will take Mingo. I actually don't hate where Mingo's going. I, and I'm partly because I think this isn't where he stops. I think Mingo's going to keep going up. I think he's going to be more of like a 10th, 11th, like 10th. I guess he's kind yeah. of already 11th. I'm kind of with yeah. you on where, on Mingo. We, I mean, remember what when we, we did, doing, the... dude? The Panthers are going to be the Panthers are going to be the 27th offense in the NFL. Yeah. But there's no target competition, and they just took him with like this, what the 39th this, pick. Honestly, and I don't know, you guys would know more about this than me. Does that like ever work out when a team just has like eight shitty guys, and you're like, one of them could be not shitty? Like, I don't know. Does it ever work out? It's you know there actually has been who some is the research. who is the best wide receiver on the Texans last year? I see your point in the extreme scenario where the offense really does suck. You're right, but there has been some research. I think JJ Zach Reason has done this. Like where you get into the later rounds, your best bets are the wide receiver ones on a team. Like once you're in, like I think this is like I would buy that. Plus. I would yeah, buy that. Like, you get to a certain point. Like, am I going to take Mingo or like? Tyler Boyd, who I know is just the wide receiver three on the Bengals, or like, you know, am I going to take Donovan Peoples-Jones, who is just like fifth in line for targets on the the Browns? Or like, you know, I'm sure you could come up with better examples than me, but that's kind of the art. In this range, like the wide receivers are just so Hang on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get Davis back. I'm going to get Davis back. Davis, Jonathan Mingo is six foot two. He's 220 pounds. <laughs> you're not talking to, you're not talking a, to 22-year-old me, just, dude. Just remember what it was like to be young, dude. Just remember what it was like to be young. You're hanging you know out I with your bros. You know You're looking at his 39 and a half inch vert. What I remember about that is Stephen Hill going for 150 yards and two touchdowns in his first NFL game and then never being heard from again. Just disappearing like the Loch Ness Monster. Don't, just, don't call just, him Stephen Hill. That's too good. That's too accurate. Yeah, <laughs> he, he, he evaporated, dude. Oh, it, it, it was God. too much. Uh, no, but I, I, I mean, come on, like, if 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 Sky Moore had not just happened, Rice would be a ninth round pick already. Honestly, honest to God, yeah. he really would. I kind of agree. I think you're people right. are. You're right. I, I like Rice at this price mostly because I don't really like Sky Moore, and I think Tony's fine. Um, but is Tony yeah. fine? Is Tony rocketing up towards? Dude, I don't fine? know. He it seems there, it seems actually kind of insane. They didn't play him last year. They just were like, no, nah, he's not ready. And I know they're saying, like, oh, God, he's so good. He's so good at everything. <laughs> but, like, you know what he's not good at? Getting on the field ever. <laughs> he doesn't do that very well. And that's a problem for us. Hey, when he gets on the field, though, it's electric. What is it? Uh, he's, yeah. he's top five in the NFL the last two yeah. years in targets per route run because he yeah. runs, like, six All, routes a game. Uh, yeah. All 50 of them. <laughs> the, <laughs> those routes. Yeah, those 12 targets and 37 routes. Yeah, really the off truth, the charts. <laughs> the truth the haters don't want to know is that he's just fancy Dexter McCluster. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. That's, that's tough. That that's being tough. said, I'm not going to be caught with my pants down on Kadarius Tony. I'm going to have 18% of this dude come hell or high water. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm... Look, when I have Mahomes, I uh, I I do try to get Tony. I try my try my best, but I mean, if he's going to get a lot more expensive than this, like he's got like every red flag there is outside. He like, will. He he will get more expensive be- because as long uh, as he doesn't get hurt in the preseason, they're going to keep gassing him up. There's there, there's equally there, there's good people on both sides of the the Tony debate. I think that are going to keep that from happening. There's there's enough 
people who are saying Tony got four snaps in the Super Bowl last year versus the people who are saying he has, you know, a hundred uh, targets per route mm. run. So but here's the here's the thing about because as someone who just you know said he had four snaps in the Super Bowl last year, I I don't really want to be like that. I don't want that to be my brand this off season. Yelling about Kadarius Tony because he could certainly hurt me in a he big could, way, like, dude. He could bury you. He could yeah. bury me. He, yeah, he exactly. Be, That's the thing. Kadarius Tony could dead ass be yeah. the, the top scoring wide receiver in fantasy. He really could. Mm, okay, well you've lost me now, but he is. <laughs> if, he could if, be if, quite if, good. If he the top if scoring he, wide receiver, Kelsey Kelsey gets injured. Uh, week it doesn't. One, Kelsey doesn't ACL. even have to get injured. You, 180 targets. He stays healthy. He he maintains something like his targets per route run as a full time player, and his targets are coming from Patrick Mahomes. Well, my here's my my point is that I'm I'm not going to be vocally, you know, tweeting up a storm, banging the table on every podcast, saying what are we doing with Curious Tony? I get it. I get the upside. We want to chase the upside. I probably will be underweight Tony and be nervous. So I actually don't – I don't know, Sam, that there's going to be a contingent brave enough to, to push oh, back. Oh, I see what you're saying. I think, yeah. I think he is going to keep going. If, if the Tony haters are feeling confident, I do think he's going to keep rising because, yeah, he, he's not Tony a fun player. The, uh, you, don't, you don't hate him that much. Majority. The silent majority of Tony faders. No, Corrine uh, doesn't hate him that much because he won't trade him to me. I traded him away, dude. Didn't you see? Oh, yeah, you got Mike Evans. I got Mike Evans. Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk some veterans. Um, let less sexy names on this list. Uh, oh, look at this value I'm getting from our game last week, Jarek McKinnon. I mean, what uh, a what a closing line value. Scummy. <laughs> that was that was a scummy from you. That was a it cheater. was a total scummy. <laughs> <laughs> but man, this is like how many? This is like the the SpongeBob meme. How many times do you have to teach you this, old man? How many times do you have to teach you these veteran running backs when they fall to 180 and then they get signed automatic 40 pick ADP? Yeah. So yeah. We're, we're for, getting to for, a point now where like it's riskier. We're like cream hunt maybe is out of the league. Zeke. I don't know, but like, it's just such a consistently good bet this whole off season. Sure. Maybe you're left holding the bag. on like one of these guys loses out in the end, but like Penny smash McKinnon smash Damian Harris smash like, Dude, just take the take the free agent running backs. Like, I don't know why this is this big of a dynamic. I'll defend the market on McKinnon quickly because they didn't want to sign him before the draft. There's basically like one team that's interested in bringing him back. He something happened at the end of last season where he got phased out, which was super weird. He's 31 years old. He could honestly have retired. So that's yeah. sure. But I mean, I do. If your point is we should be taking Leonard Fournette and holding our nose and taking Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, you have me on the Fournette part. I'm still not taking Elliott, but, uh, I'm not but I probably Zeke, should be. Yeah. I probably I should am. Be. I am. I'm brave <laughs> enough. I'm brave enough to do it because what, what yeah, what's, it's, what's it's smart. If the thing about Zeke is he just exists to annoy us. So he's going to sign and get an annoying amount of work. But that's what Fournette exists to do as well. And I, I'm like, there's Fournette's plenty, end of, up there's in a plenty of, there's plenty of meat left on this annoying bone. There yeah, sure is. yeah. I, I think the like narrative that there's gonna like run out of landing spots for these guys, like once you factor in the one or two injuries that are gonna happen from now till then, once you factor in like maybe Brees Hall, Javante, these like ACL guys not coming back as well as we expect, like spots are gonna free up for these guys. Um, they're gonna get signed. 
Like it, it might not be yeah. amazing. You might not get, you know, Fournette on the Bengals with Mixon getting cut. Like that's that's a fantasy. That's probably not gonna happen, but they're they're gonna have some role um at some point. So here's year. here's one thing I struggle with. Okay. Fournette is going at pick 190. Zeke is going at pick 160. I have to pay yeah, a I don't, 30 I don't get pick that. premium to get Zeke. And like the issue is. I probably shouldn't get worked up about that and just take them both, but I have a really hard time. Like I'm making the same exact, it feels to me. I'm obviously it's not, they're two different people and we'll end up in two different situations, but it's like, they're feel like the exact same bet. And one costs 30 picks more than the other. So I've had a really hard time taking Zeke. Um, But I think that's a leak. I think I should just mix in Zeke more. Yeah. I think it's I I am with you, Pat. I, I don't I don't have my exposures up right now. I probably have like thirty percent Fournette or something disgusting, and like literally I think Zeke. I do too. And I like literally zero, literally zero Zeke. But like if you're taking Zeke, I can't really make the argument against it. I think it's just like I'm I'm making the same mental calculus as you, and I probably should just take a little, take a little Zeke, uh, live a little. Uh, let's talk uh, Lamar Jackson a little bit. He's you know biggest riser, second second week in a row. Man, this Lamar Jackson situation, I think it's like a little underrated how exciting it is for him. Um, he's dealt with terrible pass catchers the last couple of years. All of a sudden, he gets Zay Flowers. You know, Rashad Bateman's coming back. Uh, Mark Andrews will be there. No matter what you think of Odell, I think Odell as a number three wide receiver, that's way better than what he's had in years past with like fucking Miles Boykin and whoever. Um, got Isaiah Likely, pretty talented pass catching uh, tight end number two. There's suddenly du- just a Duvernay lot. is like a pretty solid number four at this point. Dude, even Aguilar is a field stretching. Yeah. Like the depth is just a lot better. Like you're not putting out uh, who's that Rotaviz, like fifth round, Tylen Wallace. Miles Boykin? Uh, oh, yeah. Tylen Wallace. Yeah. You're Miss not him. putting out. Miss him every day. Yeah. <laughs> I drafted a lot of them at, at one point in, in my life. But <laughs> anyways, th- this Ravens pass catcher core is, is a lot better than it's ever been. I almost wonder like, we saw this this chart of the Lamar Andrews projected ADP. It almost feels to me that like it could move to Andrews Lamar two three turn. Like I think that's in the range of outcomes that that could happen. Um, well, I'm can not, Lamar jump one of these quarterbacks? I think based on stacking partners, he. It's just it's so tough for him to jump Josh Allen because people are not gonna look back on the last couple of years and let that happen. So. Ah, man, it's tough, but there, there, there will be some people that take him. I think at the two, three turn, and that's going to keep Lamar. I think pretty safely in this like twenty-seven to thirty range. I, I think. I think what will ha- yeah, I think that's right. I think what will happen is he will be his ADP will hover around the two, three turn, pick twenty-seven or something. Andrews will be the same, and some people, especially if Allen goes a little earlier than ADP, they'll go. I wanted an elite quarterback. All three are gone. I'm going Andrews Lamar at the turn. I think you'll see that a fair amount. I did it today. It's kind of fun. I think you'll see that quite a bit too. And I also just think that like the Lamar and then pick, um, pick your choice between flowers and Bateman is like a pretty cheap stack with upside. I don't think like season long, either flowers or Bateman are going to like absolutely smash or anything. I think just like season, like um, weekly upside that that individual stack pairing with one of those wide receivers is like pretty pretty exciting. So I think Bateman I think is have... pretty live to smash in a ninth round ADP. He was super efficient last year. I don't know what the deal. He wasn't running a full slate of routes, which was super weird. Um, 
and maybe he won't this yeah. year and that would obviously hurt but he that's a cheap price tag for a guy with talent and in a, a potentially much better situation so um yeah i i, I really about, like i take him a lot even when i don't have lamar i'm not gonna pretend to be a doctor but like i think the liz frank thing is like the one mental block for me getting all the way in on abatement i know that injury has been like pretty tough for people to come back from but again i, I agree largely i'm taking a lot of bateman that's like i think that that's what's depressing is adp honestly is that that injury uh risk in the pe- back of people's minds but um davis what are your what are your thoughts on on lamar at this price yeah i mean 100 percent. yeah that yeah. no no problem no problem clicking that button like a five pick discrepancy between him and justin fields people uh i i don't i don't think i'm with corain on bateman though back to back years of I mean, I like in a perfect world where I could guarantee that his body functions properly. Uh, also, there, uh, you know, you hate to say it, but there are some murmurings that uh, the team thinks he's soft, right? That that they're sort of that, you know, du- Duvernay's playing banged up. You know, we got we got these uh, ta- You know, I mean, how many anonymous dudes played wide receiver for them? Last he broke year? his foot. Well, didn't he have a foot injury the year before too? It was lower body. Uh, it was lower body the year before too. I can't remember. It was, ab, right. it was abdominal. It was like a preseason abdominal injury. That's it? what it was. It was an abdominal yeah. thing. I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm misremembering. Maybe I'm applying this to someone. To me, the the Beckham signing felt like kind of Bateman insurance, like to have another guy to yeah, play yeah. on the outside. No, I definitely think that's the case. Like my concern with Bateman is that he doesn't get full playing time. Yeah, but I think that's somewhat priced in. He had 2.38 yards per hour in last year, which is really good. Um, he was a deep threat. He 13.2 a dot. I, I think that's like what you want to see with the Lamar Jackson receiver. And at a ninth round ADP, I mean, we're talking like Michael. Th- you want to talk about guys worried about their health? Like he's going next to Michael Thomas. He's going next to Cortland Sutton. I mean, this mm-hmm. is the range where we take guys who are like, I don't know if this dude can do it, but if he can, it could be cool. So. Mm-hmm. Of those, always, you know, yeah. that type, I like him more. Bateman does – whenever I'm in a draft and, and once, like, Bateman's gone, I'm like, okay, there's no wide receivers left. I'm, I'm taking some running backs. Like, that is – for me, he's that guy that's, like, the last of, like, the exciting wide receivers on my board for, for a while. For um, a while. Yeah. So, that's – yeah, I like Bateman a lot. But, yeah, the, the injury risk, I think, like, we have to acknowledge does exist to some extent. Um, but I think he's a but guy But it's nice because I – We've talked a lot about guys who are going to be screaming up boards. <clears throat> He's not going to scream up boards. You know, Zay Flowers is, is going to cap his his potential price. So I think we're going to get him in this range and maybe even later, you know, maybe once uh, Normies come in and these wide receivers fall a little bit. Um, could be a 10th, 11th guy maybe for Lucky. Yep. Other things I'll point out here, Mixon, we've already sort of talked through him. He's he's up big. Uh, you're no longer getting like the huge sort of suspension risk discount on Mixon. He's up uh, 17 spots to 64 overall. I expect that to keep keep going up until we get bad news for him. I think people are sort of baking in status quo as he'll he'll be back. Um, so I'm I'm good with him at that price. Um, a tier of the. Wide receivers at the one-two turn are all up. Amon Ra, Devontae, Garrett Wilson. I think that's simply a product of um, Jonathan Taylor falling, which we talked about. So those guys are all just sort of taking a spot all up a little bit. I don't think any necessarily storylines to cover there. Uh, one other guy I want to talk about, Chris Godwin. I think like 
these these Bucks wide receivers. It's a little bit like Amari Cooper last year. We're like, you could listen to 100 hours of fantasy football podcasts. No one wanted to talk about Amari Cooper last year. Just like slipped through the cracks. Godwin and Evans are getting a little bit of that treatment so far this year. Like I think Godwin is going behind Smith and Jigba. Yeah. So let give give the sort of I'd rather have Smith and Jigba. No, dude, he's Chris Godwin. I don't I don't want anything to do with the Bucks offense, man. It's disgusting. Except except for if if I'm going in, I want to go in with Mike Evans. Give me a guy who can do it in like two targets. I can't believe this guy. Oh, it's got a bar in it. I was gonna put the Oklahoma helmet on and I was gonna do a whole bit as Baker Mayfield, but now I can't because it's got a it's got like a strap on the inside of it. (laughs) I so I don't know. Like, can Baker be that bad with Godwin and Evans? Horrendous last year. Settled down. Horrendous. He 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 was playing for the Carolina Panthers. Terrible. No, wasn't horrendous. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold was totally fine. That's why he's going to be starting. He's got the great. He's got the. He's got the greatest arm talent in the history of the 49ers organization. So yeah, kind of apples to apples here. (laughs) It's Baker. I'm going to pull it up on the the EPA. I mean, he was. He was fucking horrible last year. Like I and you go into this he situation. Was, he was horrible. Yeah, and like I do not. I, who is even their offensive coordinator? Because they did they get rid of Leftwich or is it still Leftwich? Mm, I think it's still Leftwich. I'll I'll check that. Leftwich was kind of he was he got exposed last year. They were doing really bad stuff. Like they were running on a ton of first downs. They had a horrendous run game. Super low EPA per play. Uh, you know, White was not effective as a rusher. Fournette was not effective as a rusher, but they kept doing it. They kept hey, saying, Pat, and then- I, I, I got to interrupt you quickly. Offensive coordinator was Dave Canales, who just turned uh, Geno Smith into comeback player of the year. So, oh, they've hired, uh, okay. So they hired the Seahawks guy. It's not Leftwich. So that makes me feel, so- that makes me feel a little better. It makes me feel a little yeah. better. Yeah. Cause Leftwich was, I mean, geez. Uh, yeah. All right. That makes me feel a little bit better. But I mean, Baker was, was really rough. Baker and EPA per play was the worst in the entire league. Worse than Davis Mills, Joe Flacco, Zach Wilson. I mean, he was he was he was terrible. And that includes his Ram snaps, when which he was a little bit better. There's going to be a hilarious guy starting quarterback starting a quarterback for the Bucks this year. You're going to see Carson Wentz in there. You're going to see like I don't know um, uh, CJ Beathard. I, I think they're going to be rotating through guys very much like the Rams were at the end of last year, sort of like the Panthers were last year. I, I think am, I'm st- making notes in my notebook right now. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. And this is, we got to get like our, our, um, you know, once per episode, let's get Hayden on to explain how tradable uh, Chris Godwin's contract is. Cause that's what I want to understand. Like, is there a legitimate chance that Godwin or Evans get moved uh, at this point? Cause I think if there's a chance, then that actually meaningfully like impacts how I think about those guys. But I don't understand. If there's a chance that Godwin is traded, then he's a pretty big value. Yeah. But because I think if he were to get traded, given the contract, it would have to probably be to like a contender. I'm basically imagining the Chiefs in my head right now. And that's why I'm excited. That's what I'm thinking. Like the Chiefs and Bills, it still feels like, you know, trade deadline, the Chiefs and Bills, like, are trying to counter each other. Gabe Davis goes down. The Bills put all their chips in. And the Bills are for... like, I don't know why we drafted a tight end to play slot receiver. This is really <laughs> fucking stupid. Why don't we trade for Chris Godwin, who is a slot receiver? That seems way smarter. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. That's that's what I'm trying to, to price in. But 
I don't know, man. Like I kind of learned this lesson a little bit last year with the Seahawks where I was convinced Gino and Drew Locke were dog shit. I didn't take much Metcalf and lock it. Sometimes just like draft good wide receivers when they're this cheap and like worry about it later. Yeah. Some sometimes works. So um, I still, like, is, I still like Godwin. Yeah. It is tough with like at least Metcalf and obviously Gino is way better than we could have, you know, predicted or did predict last year. Um, and so it didn't really matter the archetype of the receivers, but like it does concern me that Godwin is going to get there primarily on volume. And when you've got a bad offense, it's like they don't convert first down or they don't convert third downs into first downs. They don't sustain drives. Like they're probably going to be pretty conservative on offense. And I mean, they're still Todd Bowles' team. They're probably going to be pretty run heavy. Um, although I, d- I don't know who they're going to run the ball with because White's not really an early down banger, but whatever. Uh, there's, I, I'm just like struggling to see how this offense like really puts up points. And if I'm going to take a buck, I prefer Mike Evans because it's like he can still get open deep and he's still huge. And, you know, Baker will probably chuck it up to him occasionally and maybe he catches some. So, but I don't know. I guess I could be being too precise. Like Godwin is, is still really good. So, you yeah. Know, and he's cheap. Yep. Um, th- that's fair. Um it's it's certainly the Bucks certainly feel like what could offense. what could prepossess people to make Alan Lazard a riser? By the way, <laughs> <laughs> I think I I'm somewhat uh, I think I maybe so I made the case for Alan Lazard on the show at pick 150. Let's calm down. Don't don't blame me for this. I made the case at literally like pick 150. I liked it then. I don't like it now. I want that I want that on the record. I liked it at pick 150. There isn't like a ton. Now. Forty yeah. picks. Um. Holy shit. But it's also like, okay, so the, the Jets thing, this is actually kind of interesting. The Jets have like come out and said they're not cutting Corey Davis, which like, okay, if you have to come out and say that, like that, that probably means there's a chance he's getting cut. Like, why are you being so defensive about it? But like the fact that they said that and there's a chance he's still on the team, like what what the hell is this wide receiver rotation? Like I, I think Corey Davis is like a better outside receiver than Lazard is. So if he's on the team, isn't it? Corey Davis and Garrett Wilson on the outside Lazard playing in the slot. Like, I don't know this, this wide receiver room. Like I, I don't know how to project it anymore. Randall Cobb's going to probably play some amount. Nicole Hardman in there for gadget stuff. Like this could be a messy rotation. So mm-hmm. with all these moves, I've been like less in on Lazard. Cause my, my thesis was like Davis is cut. I, I didn't know Cobb was going to be there. He's going to be like a hundred percent route rate guy. Now I'm like, man, I don't know. This could get messy quick. I don't know if I really if it's worth it at this point. So curious if you guys have any thoughts on like how does this Jets wide receiver rotation play out? It seems it seems really messy right now. I mean, whoever brought the best donuts in that week to the meeting, I think, is probably going to play. Uh, I think Garrett Wilson is sort of immune. Um, I think Garrett Wilson will just end up being fine. But yeah, I think playing time is basically doled out by like whoever Aaron Rodgers is least pissed off about at any given time. Yeah. Madison not Park even not even good. really being silly, honestly. I do actually think that is what dictates it. Whoever's like willing to listen to to Joe Rogan with, with Aaron Rodgers <laughs> yeah. in the locker room. Whoever whoever, whoever does the moon landing. Whoever, does, <laughs> whoever will uh do what the the Deshaun Kaiser story said. Uh, so he was Packers backup quarterback. He said the first time he met Aaron Rodgers, he was like, 
there's some 9-11 stuff you should really look into. That was their meeting. That was their conversation. That was how <laughs> yeah. he met his backup. Yeah. How else do you guys so weird? So weird. None of his family talks to him. I did. <laughs> I did want to mention that uh, uh, Madison Parkhill had a, a good article on tight ends, and he mentioned Tyler Conklin in that article. And I was kind of like, I like Conklin. Yeah. Why am I not drafting Conklin? Conklin's a uh, he's starting there, right? And Rogers tends to throw to his tight end, and so maybe that's the answer. Maybe we get Conklin in the in the 18th round. And we get Garrett Wilson in the second round, and that's our Roger stack. I like. I've been taking a lot of a lot of Conklin 18th round, even without Rogers. Honestly, just like a guy with two two touchdown upside in the 18th round seems seems like a pretty good bet. Um, uh, Van Jefferson is up. That's the last guy I'll throw out here. Uh, I think he it should makes sense. be up, man. It makes sense. He's going to play a lot. Yeah, it's but Zay Jones. Two, two. He's the Zay Jones this year's Zay Jones, right? I that's what I think honestly. I think that's that's the bet. I think he's does have to dodge like some guys there to do Puka Nakua, but like people are hyping those guys up a little too much in my opinion. Like I think it's gonna be Van in in most scenarios. I, like, I don't I don't hate Tutu. I like Tutu. Yeah, I like Tutu, but Tutu's not. I mean, he's a tiny man. He's a rotational player. Like he's not gonna. I mean, there's there's open routes there. Like they they got rid of Robinson, so they have to have like Tutu can play. He can be their full time slot receiver. You know, if cups, you know, kick into the outside or whatever. Which this this makes Tutu's life tough because because you know, the cups so good in the slot. So yeah, it's like it, he's not they're they're starting outside wide receiver in two wide receiver sets. Um, Van Jefferson is, and you know, in three wide receiver sets, Van Jefferson's going to be one of those guys. Like almost certainly, he would really have to fall on his face. But he was he was a second round pick and he's been like not good at any point, but like not horrendous. So I think he's I think he's out there. Yeah, Van Jefferson in 2021, uh the year the Rams won the Super Bowl, eight hundred yards, six touchdowns. I mean, that's that's a smash of a pick at, yep. at one eighty. Um and I think that was with him being a clear wide receiver three. They had Robert Woods there. So um there's even upside for a bigger role than than back then. So I, I like the pick quite a bit. It's certainly not sexy, but I do think the Rams are one of these offenses. I, I think I forget to coin this term, but like a uh, carnival offense, a team that's not that good of an offense, but has just a dog shit defense and has to throw a ton. I think McVay could just like, if assume this is a big, if like if Stafford's health is okay, I think like you could see the Rams like lead the league in pass attempts all la Brady last year on the Bucks like not be that efficient, but just pass a shit ton. Some of these tertiary guys are going to have some value. So I, I kind of like these like gross uh, Rams stacks late. The um, tight end article that I'm, uh, that I just got out this morning was supposed to be an article about Stafford. That's how I, that's how I started uh, down the rabbit hole um, and kind of one, I ended up, I'm going to end up kind of writing the articles that led me to the tight end article eventually. But yeah, it started as like, I'm stacking backdoor stacking with Matthew Stafford a lot. And he does strike me as the type of bet in those late rounds. that makes sense because like you can take him as your second quarterback and be done, which is, I think what you want to do generally in uh, the late round, if you're going to be diving into the late rounds of quarterback, like you want a guy who actually can start all year for you and give you a little bit of upside as a pocket passer, you know, that he generates a, a well-timed spike week, like, Stafford just like really shouldn't be there. I, I 
I kind of love getting him in the 14th. Like, and then and then it's beautiful because you can get Jefferson and Tutu and Higby. They all go behind him, so you can backdoor stack it so easily. I yeah, I love. I'm all in on that on that Ram stack. I I honestly should be doing it more. Man, like <laughs> the Ram. I don't know. This is a stupid point, but the Rams won the Super Bowl two years ago. Stafford threw for nearly 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. Like sometimes it's as simple as that. He, he showed us that ceiling two years ago. Again, obviously, am I projecting him to do that this year? No. Like I get why it's cheaper, but it, it's gone too far, I think. Well, um, so like the late round quarterback strategy, which, you know, this is best ball. So we're not, we're not doing that anyway, but also, you know, the, emergence of this like hyper elite tier quarterbacks is kind of shaking up the quarterback field. But, you know, a lot of the, the reason that the late round quarterback strategy was working so well in previous years is that we can't predict passing efficiency. That's like what JJ Zacharyson has talked about. You know, it's like, if you're betting on, like if you're taking the pocket passer who just is coming off a really efficient passing season and letting the pocket passer, who had a down season fall that traditionally has not like been a great way to go. And I think like with a guy like Tua, you know, he's got the, he's got the weapons. Like I'm kind of in on that, but like, I mean, Davis, I don't want to upset you here, but like, would you be shocked if Stafford threw for more yards than Dak Prescott? I would be a little surprised because the weapons are, the cupboard is fairly bare. Uh, maybe just he's removing out. Yeah, I mean he does. So you got Mike McCarthy uh, running thirty times a game too. So yeah, no, it, I, it, it, could, yeah. it could happen. It's it's possible. It's it's unlikely, but I'm kind of with you, Pat. Like it's not crazy. Dude, again, Stafford two years ago, we were drafting him what in the '90s last year. I don't know. His ceiling is being like a Tua type, just an elite pocket passer. Yeah, um, you're right. Right, you're yeah. getting an eighth round, ninth round value in the thirteenth, fourteenth round, which is yeah. a pretty big win especially because the way i like to build the stafford is I, he's my second quarterback and i'm done like i you know I, I can not always do this like maybe i would tack on another guy or, or add stafford as a third but that's part of the appeal for me is that i feel like i can build with him almost like last year right you might have taken stafford in the eighth or ninth i mean St- that's the funny thing right stafford wasn't really going that far behind Dak. that's one of the reasons I mentioned him because it's like really like last year, we wouldn't have thought that was crazy at all. Yeah. And you know, now it seems like this impossibility because Stafford had a bad season. But um, if you last year were to take like Stafford in the ninth and, you know, Aaron Rodgers in the 10th or whatever, maybe eighth, ninth, depending, I think that might've actually been more like the ADP, but you would have been very comfortable stopping it too. And now, you know, you can basically do it the same, but just a few rounds later. So um yeah yeah makes sense um yeah time to get Gretsch to tout van jefferson yeah talking for 20 minutes on van jefferson was very intentional with Gretsch uh, out tonight this is the only way would be able uh to do this um but let's move on to the fallers here some obvious ones that i don't think we need to talk through because they're just frankly so obvious uh ken walker Falling, uh, Tyler Algier falling again, Jameson Williams falling again, Josh Palmer falling again, Dawson Knox falling again. It's it's really sort of obvious to me why all these guys are falling. They all sort of had guys drafted um, ahead of them that are pushing them down uh, besides besides Taylor, but we've already talked through that. 
I think the one I do want to talk about is Montgomery. Um, we talked about Gibbs. I do think that like Detroit is just in a position. They did this last year where so many of the points on this offense are going to funnel to the running backs, both through the passing game, um, you know, rushing at the goal line. Where do we think uh, Davis Montgomery ultimately falls? And are you interested in him? If like, say he falls to like pick a hundred, he's more sort of like a zero RB target. Like, are you interested just because of the upside of that offense? You know, you got the contingent value. Well, he, potentially. he just becomes, he becomes like a handcuff guy with a little bit of standalone value there. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I become interested there. What at, at, at this price, not so much. I, I am starting to get interested in Kenny Walker though. Now at, at 46 running back 15, that, that feels palatable to me. Yeah, I've started, I've taken him once. Um, he fell all the way into the fifth. And that's kind of what, what I think he is now. I think he's more of like a fifth round value, like, but an early, but an early fifth round value. And so, yeah, if he's like at the four or five turn, I, I feel pretty confident taking him. Yeah. He definitely profiled like at that point, you just need a couple big spike weeks really for him to, to pay off. And that's exactly what he profiles as like bad success rate, but huge breakaway runner. Um, yep. So yeah, I think he's, I think his fall should stop soon. We'll, we'll see. Um, he might, I thought I was definitely gonna be underweight on him, but his fall has been a lot more rapid than I expected. So um, we'll see where that ends up. Any other followers here? Um, I, I honestly think this isn't the most exciting list to talk through because it's so obvious, but uh, anyone want to talk through any of these players? I mean, they're just all sort of reactions. Algier, obvious. Palmer, obvious. Gainwell, like it's just exactly what you'd expect. Yeah, I'm taking Algier at this point, though. I think it, he's a handcuff. He's a clear handcuff. And you know they're going to run enough to where he'll actually get a little bit of, of run. You know, It's not a great... Like he's probably like Gus Edwards from two years ago. Like it's not, you know, a great yeah. pick at that level. But I've I've mixed him in into rooms where I'm like, I think you'll, I think you'll like score a touchdown in the first three weeks. You know, something get get me a little production to help me along, and you have contingent value. So uh, maybe I just like my former linebackers too much, but <laughs> I'm starting to mix him in now that he's down the 150s. This is a deep cut, but. Uh, because I've been doing some of these 20 round stuff. Like I have Corderell Patterson staring at me in the 20th round on PPR sites. Like because well, he's, got, he's got cap casualty and goes somewhere where he just gets yeah. sick design touches upside. That's kind of what I like. Could he do like a McKinnon type bit role? I got, he's like comparing him to McKinnon isn't completely fair. He's actually kind of more of a pure rusher than, than McKinnon, but I don't know, man. It just feels like he has outs. It also is like Atlanta's pass catching core is like name Atlanta's wide receiver three. You, you can't like, could Patterson get slot snaps in that offense? I don't know. Like I I've been thinking about him as like an 18th round pick just cause like, I think he's still good at football and like can, can use some spikes, but maybe that's overthinking it with him. He's 32 years old. So that's obviously a huge issue, but he is an amazing kick returner. And so that could save him. You know, if he's on the, if he won, it's probably a reason that they would keep him. Uh, he only costs like yeah. five He's, mil, five and a half mil. Yeah. So it might, they might keep him just for the fact he's such a good kick returner. And yeah. which means he would be active on game day, though. That's what I'm thinking. Active game day, like, has contingent value as a running back. Plus, could he be their slot wide receiver? I don't know. Um, 
I've been 20. This is like, no one cares about talking about Cordell Patterson right now, but I think 20th round, he's like somewhat interesting. I think uh, the FFPC has those 28 rounders. You can get him in there. Oh, yeah. After I take my third kicker, I'll uh, take Cordell <laughs> Patterson. That's right. Actually, <laughs> I was thinking there's a kicker in D. That's horrendous. Yeah. Um, okay, let's let's move on. I do want to talk through some of these other things quickly. The team stack stuff that I think is more interesting is actually so this is the double stack. I'll, I'll skip past this. Um, but I do want to talk about like the mega stack stuff where we've talked about this all offseason. The Bills and the Chiefs, when you look at it from team level ADP, so this is average of the top five guys on a team by ADP. The Chiefs and the Bills stand out as discounts relative to how, like, we know Mahomes and Josh Allen, they're locks for top three, top four quarterback play in the NFL. Like, if they're healthy, like, pretty much lock them in. But their teams are still pretty cheap. Like, they're cheaper than the Lions, the Vikings, the Jags. Um, and I think part of me, like, that that feels wrong, and that's why you see the, the rise of guys like Sky, you know, Kincaid, etc. So I'm like, I, I don't know. I, again, I, I think I'm kind of like beating a dead horse at this point a little bit, but like, I just, this kind of breaks my brain a little bit. We're like, we don't I know where the targets take... are going. Yeah. But they got to go somewhere, right? I'll tell you one thing is that I think both Bills running backs are really interesting. Yeah. You know, I think you the, can take them together too. You probably can, but, but it strikes me like, you know, and it's funny because one of the, situations that has turned out to be like a real zero running back win has been the bills backfield in the past. And now we have like, you know, this, the Zach Moss, Devin Singletary year from like two years ago where they were going like basically both right here. And I think you want to be overweight, both these guys, with the understanding that one of them is probably going to bust, but that's all right. You know, cause I think one of them could be a total smash. I like cook a little bit better. So does the market. Um, Damian Harris has moved up enough to where I don't like love taking him. I think I took him in the 10th today. I don't love that. I wish he was more like at 11th or 12th, but you know, I'm still taking him. So yeah. that's one way to get more exposure to this offense where, yeah, there's uncertainty, but the uncertainty could like really break in your favor where like, I don't know, Khalil Shakir's things are going to like really break in his favor or is he going to be kind of a rotational player? Well, yeah. that definitely that helps answer the uh, the Dalton Kincaid question. Yeah, and I think my my favorite, maybe not my favorite bill, but a bill whose value I like. Like Hardy was signed to decent money, and I think like has a decent chance of being their wide receiver three. And he's completely free now. Like he he shut up a little after they signed him, but people I think are just got got bored of that idea. Um, he was an exciting deep threat for the Saints a couple years ago. I kind of like I like that 18th round pick uh, in, in Bill Stacks just completely for free. You might be getting their their number three wide receiver. Who knows? Um, it is a little tough because we don't know if he's even going to like play. But I I took him today. I think it was today. I I took him recently. I because I was taking him a lot before, and then I think the market's cooled because of the Kincaid pick a little bit. Maybe yeah yeah. Um, but he's a, I believe he's another returner. Uh, yeah, he's averaged 25.4 yards per kick return over his career, which is really good. Uh, 75 kick returns. 
No, sorry, that's his longest. What is he? Uh, yeah, some, no, 75 kick returns. Um, never scored a touchdown for some reason. Uh, punt returner as well, he's, he's okay. So that, again, like we're looking for guys who are going to be active on game day when we're down this late, and I, I think he probably will be. Yeah, that, that's fair. Um, so, so these things we, we've said before, San Francisco too low. So I, I kind of get that. In some ways, uh, Josh says that San Francisco is too low, but man, like the quarterback uncertainty is the reason that's so low. I think, frankly, uh, Lance is like falling. Purdy's not that expensive, and to me, you made this point, Pat. Like guessing at quarterback and and being wrong hurts you a ton. What? Whereas I'm not so sure that it helps you a ton if you get that one right. Um, so unless it's Trey Lance and he finishes quarterback five. That would yeah. help. That would, that would help. help. But you know Purdy, what's funny Purdy, though? Purdy probably doesn't help at all. Yeah. Probably yeah, probably not. not. Well, if you start, I think one of the things that was interesting to me, I was looking at the, I dug into this last year with the rookie class being so, so weak and was like, I kind of was like trying to talk myself into Malik Willis and I couldn't do it because I was like, even like Josh Allen had kind of whatever win rates in his rookie season. So, uh it's like about and and alan started like who is it basically any of these guys who aren't starting are costing you a lot because you really i mean you definitely don't want a dead roster spot when you're entering the playoffs but if you're burning that roster spot on a quarterback which doesn't give your team a ton of upside and then they're not even on the field just really hurts you so i think even if lance like did emerge wouldn't it be down the stretch or is you th- I don't know. Yeah. he would have to take the job for the whole season. Any of these guys probably take the job for, for pretty much the whole season to really pay off. Is my I point. think if you're going to do the Lansing, you, you do like a, a weird kind of three quarterback build where you completely punt quarterback and then you take like Stafford Lance and Howell or insert late quarterback that you like there, something like that combo. So he's in a three QB build and maybe you have Stafford shielding him for, you know, most of the season. Something like that seems seems okay. I don't think that's my preferred way to play it, but I think yeah, I think you kind of have to take Lance in three quarterback builds, which like immediately limits um, sort of how. I think if you're doing it, just just like go balls to the wall and go like Josh Allen, Lance, and just be like, I'm barely gonna need you. Please be there when I do. I guess that's fair too. I, I was thinking you want the two other guys to balance them out, like not playing, covering the bye week, but right. That, that's fair too. I think that's that's reasonable. Um, these are the cheap teams. We've kind of made this point. I think there's some cheap teams with upside if they're just okay and not horrible. Um, yeah, uh, the Patriots. I'll, I'll make a quick case for the Patriots. Um, they were. They don't like, have Matt Patricia doing architecture in the office and calling yeah. plays. Okay, let's let's move on. Okay, that's that's the entire case. Uh, <laughs> But they were they were a top ten scoring offense in in twenty twenty uh, yeah twenty twenty people are leaving Mac Jones for dead man I tacked him on as a third quarterback I guess the only thing with him is like do you buy that he's at risk of losing his job to Bailey Zappi in which case he's a terrible pick if he's if he has job security then I think he's a pretty decent pick still not a great pick yeah that's the thing I've been stacking the Patriots without Mac 
because that's, that's probably the way to go. Yeah. That's because that's sharper. I, yeah. If we get, if we get to September and it's a Matt good, Jones it's is, a good backdoor stack though. If you got a, an expensive team, if you have a Mahomes or a Hertz or an Allen, you can do, Juju, or if you get locked out, you can do Kasiki. Yeah. Thornton's yeah. sitting right there. You can get Thornton very easily. Hunter Henry, Hunter Henry and, and Kasiki is a little bit like the Knox um, Kincaid thing. Hunter Henry is their starting ten. Like people are getting yeah. this wrong. Hunter Henry is their I starting tight end. Like I don't get Gasicki like forty picks ahead of Hunter Henry. Just we just did this. You're drafting yeah. Janu again. Congratulations, you drafted yeah, new Janu. You're drafting Janu, and the only like if you're telling yourself a story where he's the big slot again, you're telling yourself the Kincaid story. It's not a story that happens very often. He's he's gonna be. He's going to be a fifty percent route guy in this offense, or something like that. Yeah. Like, hey, guess how, what? Michael how Smith mad, has been a slot guy his entire career. He's never done anything. How yeah. mad are people going to be when Johnny Smith scores more half PPR points than Kyle Pitts this season? Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> this is bro. I'm mad at you. <laughs> like, like would that be would that be the worst thing Arthur Smith has ever done? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. He... I'm legitimately upset. <laughs> ruin my night <laughs> who, who's the guy the week after Kyle Pitts I'm not going to sleep my, Michael Pruitt sleep had, Michael Pruitt had more touchdowns last season than Kyle Pitts oh, has in his God. career oh come on <laughs> Davis, is, yeah. Davis is tired and wants to go to bed he's trying to sabotage Davis is tired right he's now. trying to get his trying to sabotage trying to... yeah I'm getting the outro music lined up it's working Oh, God. oh man, I don't know. I don't know if I have the energy for a heated uh, running back versus wide receiver debate. No, let's uh, do it. I want it. Let's let's do. You want to do it? Yeah, I, I thought this was the whole night. I've been sitting here waiting to argue about running backs, and you're telling me about like fucking Kenneth Gainwell's falling. Like, all right, we're cool. <laughs> talking about Van Jefferson versus Puka Nakua for 20 minutes. Yeah, um, I want I, this running back debate. I'm all geared up for it. Okay. I, I'll, I'll let me lay. Uh, you lay the ground because I actually think we might agree too much. So you you give me some things to disagree with because I think we generally might agree somewhat. Okay, okay. So what this chart is um, is basically you look at the blue lines. That is what the ADP was last year for these different positional tiers. So look at uh, quarterback one. We see that blue line is around. 65 70 ADP that means the average quarterbacks 1 through 12 last year we're going at around pick 70. This year we see um that black line quarterbacks are going at around pick 50 uh quarterbacks 1 through 12. So that's how you read this chart. It's looking at the different positional tiers by ADP and the shifts um from last year to this year. So you see quarterbacks that black line is below the blue line that means quarterbacks are more expensive than they were last year. Uh, running backs, you see the blue line below the black line. Uh, that means that wide receivers are, or sorry, running backs are cheaper than they were last year. So that's kind of how to read the chart. Um, I want to zoom in, actually take out some of the, the the deeper stuff. I'm taking out the, t- the tight end twos, whatever. This is just sort of the, the tiers we care a little bit more about, I guess. This is quarterback ones, running back ones, um, running back two to threes, wide receiver ones, wide receiver two and threes, and tight ends. Um, so same chart, I'm just sort of zooming in a little bit. The biggest thing you'll notice in the draft landscape this year compared to last year is the quarterbacks are going much more expensive. Um, the running backs are going much cheaper. 
and the wide receiver ones are going more expensive. Not not the wide receiver twos and threes, just sort of the wide receiver ones are actually going more expensive compared to last year. Um, and I think honestly, and I wish I had the chart to pull up, but I think drafters are kind of learning the wrong lessons from last year in terms of how scoring went. Um, running back ones who are now going at pick 20 by ADP instead of wide receiver ones who are going at pick 10. Um, running back ones actually outperformed wide receiver ones in terms of delivering spike weeks um, at the running back position. Where running backs really got hammered is the running back twos and threes got absolutely smashed by the wide receiver twos and threes. So I think like an appropriate reaction to that should have been to basically keep the running back ones priced where they are, maybe slightly cheaper. I'd be okay with that. But what people are doing now is essentially saying wide receiver ones are much better bets for spike weeks than running back ones by ADP. Like it's a huge gap, like average of 10 ADP for wide receiver ones, average of 20 ADP for running back ones. Like that's a big gap. That's why we see, you know, Ramondre going near DK Metcalf. In my opinion, that's like insane. You know, Josh Jacobs going next to T Higgins. In my opinion, like that that's just wrong. Um, so I, I think that that's my argument is that like, I'm totally with you, like wide receiver heavy builds. But to me, we're, we're punishing the running back ones when we shouldn't be. And there's sort of this elite tier of running backs where if you don't get them, I don't think you can match their ceiling. And I think people um, just don't want to admit that you know zero running back works but it's not because these running back ones don't have massive ceiling and, and aren't sort of efficient by adp like we've seen that for several years that if you want upside at running back like get one or two of these these high upside high upside running backs so that's how i kind of view the adp landscape that that was a lot um pat are, were you right that we sort of agree more than we disagree or um well i think we agree in that like if you're sitting at the 105 and I had Pete on uh, the Legendary Upside podcast uh, earlier this week, and he he was making the point that like his the comfiest spot in the draft right now is like, you know, 104, 105, you grab like Tyree Kill, and then you can get like Tony Pollard and Ramondre Stevenson, or Tony Pollard and Josh Jacobs, or Brees yep. Hall. Brees Hall comes back in the mid third. I mean, like I don't have. I think I I feel like there's like so much agreement on that that I'm surprised it's still happening. <laughs> Because yeah. that is really comfy. You just grab you grab that wide receiver one, and then, yeah, you can get uh, the running back in round two and three. I think the thing maybe that we disagree on so- somewhat is like um, that, like I'm probably doing more of the one version, one running back version of that. Like I'll often sure. take like I'll do a lave if I'm further up, like if I'm out of the like, let's say one or two or one or three and a lave is there. Um, I mean, it's obviously if I have McCaffrey, but let's say I, I had like Jamar Chase, grab Olave, and then I'm like, I know there's going to be a running back here. Like that part I'm not worried about. What I'm worried about is I don't really want to go running back, running back right now. And the reason is that I don't want to ever get locked out a wide receiver. And in these rooms, you can get like really locked out. I, You can piece it together. Like I had one where I had like three wide receivers, I think through like eight rounds and tacked on like kind of a a guy who didn't really belong uh like maybe in the ninth or tenth and then i got like nico collins and alec pierce and you know i probably took mingo or whatever like you can i'm like i have to dig out of this hole but like that's a spot that i like rarely want to be in and i think that that is partially what's driving the adps in the early rounds is that i think drafters 
generally like feel really comfortable taking running backs in rounds like eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. And you'll see like in these drafts, the whole board will be green. And anytime I get to that pocket of the draft, I want to be ready to go at running back. I want to be like, hell yeah. I, I, my whole draft is set up to just take three of these dudes. And this draft fell to me beautifully. A lot of the drafts fall that way. And so I guess like I, I would sort of, I kind of push back on the idea that like this is somehow like bad or inefficient. Um, I don't know that it is necessarily inefficient once you consider how the rest of the draft is going to play out as a result of the wide receivers continually kind of being they're priced up early and then they're not, there's not a discount later. And so it just creates this massive cliff at wide receiver. And I think you're really at a disadvantage if you aren't, you know, sufficiently loaded up before that cliff hits. So um, while I do think that the two, three turn and the, I mean, it's beyond the turn. It's the middle of the third round. You're getting running backs, like really good running backs. That's definitely something you want to be taking advantage of for sure. But I don't think it's something to be like, I'm throwing out everything else. And this is, I'm just focusing on this because I think if you, if you build your, all your drafts around that, you're, you're going to get really, really burned in some of them, but you're probably doing that more than me. So I don't know. Are you, are you finding that? So I'll say a couple things. Number one, the reason why I think it's okay to like just completely zero in on that and ignore everything else is because I like we showed at the, the top of the show. I do think this ADP is going to correct. Pollard is going to be a mid-second pick. Jacobs is going to be a mid-second pick. If you want these wide receiver, running back, running back combos, I don't think you're maybe in these piss boy drafts, repeats drafting in all summer. Maybe he can get those whenever he wants. I, I kind yeah, of buy that. He will. <laughs> but but in a normal if in a normal draft you're not gonna get those all so that that's what I'm saying like I, I'm doing yeah. probably 25 I actually haven't started drafting at all before the schedule but when I do start drafting I'm probably doing like 25 drafts in June or something I'm probably like at at you know picks one through five I'm doing that wide receiver running back running back thing as much as I can then like 100 percent of the time if the room allows me to because I have a strong belief that that ADP is not gonna hold Jacobs in the third round is not gonna hold or Mondre at pick 32 is not going to hold. So th- that's the first thing I'll say. I-, I do agree with you though, that like part of the element, right. Is like, if you don't um, take wide receivers early, like I'm certainly not advocating for, like if I go running back, running back early, I'm not tacking on like another running back in the fourth, or like, I'm not really searching out another running back in the fifth or sixth. Like I am playing it, how you're describing it, where, you know, I take those two running backs in rounds two and three, I'm waiting until that round nine through 12 range. And I'm probably taking like two guys yeah. in that range. Right. So I'm, I still feel like I'm getting the sweet spot, um, you know, ninth to 12th round uh, running back range. Like I'm still getting a couple of those guys in those drafts. And then like either I'm stopping or maybe I'm tacking on four net as a fifth running back in the 18th or, or something like that. Right. So, you know, I, I just think that people are, I think people are galaxy braining like, Oh, you know, and not to pick on Pete, but I watch his streams a lot. Obviously, he's super sharp. But, like, what I what I see him do a lot at the 2-3 turn is, like, oh, like, the 2 by 2 if I take Olave here, then I can still get, like, Ramondre in the third. And, like, I kind of get that line of thinking. But, like, some people are almost pretending, like, you can't just go running back in the 2-3 turn. And I'm not saying that's what, what Pete's doing. I'm not trying to, like, set up some straw man for him. But I think a lot of people are overthinking that when, like, comparing – and I pulled up this chart here, like – Comparing running back ones, like, you, you know, 
Jacobs is like the running back eight or something versus like T Higgins, just like historically that running back one bet is just such a higher bet for a spike week than that wide receiver two bet, particularly like the wide receiver two, who's the wide receiver two on his own team. That's a whole other topic, but like, man, I, I think you're overthinking it a little bit. If you're like doing that, like, ah, uh, like I might be locked out in the seventh or eighth. Like I'm just doing like, Hey, wide I'm taking, you know, Cooper cup. I'm taking two running backs. I think I can take, three wide receivers in the next four or five rounds and like be, be okay. I'm not that worried about it when like, I think that just like Pollard versus T Higgins, like Metcalf versus Ramondre, like it's just such an obvious like ceiling projection of one guy is like so much better than the ceiling projection of another guy. Like in, in my opinion and how I look at things um, that like, I'm, I'm just not overthinking it that much, especially when I think the ADP landscape is going to be changing. So um, does that, does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think it makes sense. I think one thing for me is like, you know, it makes it a little more difficult is I think Mark Andrews is a really strong value right now. I think I don't want to be completely locked out of the elite quarterbacks. Um, and so that's like one reason that I'm not just absolutely hammering kind of wide receiver, running back, running back starts. Uh, but I, I think that's, you know, the fact that the 80, I do feel pretty strongly that the ADPs are going to shift. I don't, Maybe I wouldn't be like shocked if these guys like stuck a little later than we had projected to begin the show. But Brees Hall is either going to be like a seventh round pick or a late second round pick, right? Like we're going to feel good or bad about his knee. I don't think he's going to be in the mid third. Ramondre, it does seem really surprising that he's in the mid third. So I think with like if you have the chance to go wide receiver Pollard running back, um, something like that. I mean, that's probably not going to be around later. So I I think I'm like maybe a little bit less excited about the prospect of of loading up on that, like on a, like a really high percentage of my teams. But it's a weird construction. It's not a construction I've ever really done much of, and I'm doing it a fair amount. So, yeah. you know, I think largely we're on the same page. It's definitely like an – an offering that the market is is providing right now that is is not common and yep. gives a lot of upside to the build. Yeah. I want to um I know we're keeping Davis up Pat. I I'll continue this conversation if you want, but uh let's let's let Davis uh get out of here. Davis, give us give us it doesn't have to be long. Give us your best ADP value before you go if you if you got one top of mind. Uh, and then we'll let you go to bed. Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin. Baker Mayfield stacks baby. Beautiful. I'll All see right. you guys soon. See you, Davis. Um, Pat, to your to your point, like I, I get what you're saying, and like if I had to commit to, again, if I had to commit to 100 percent of my teams being wide receiver, running back, running back, now I would not do that. But again, like I, I think I'm no, no, I'm not do, saying that's what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying is like I really think these combos, like there's going to be a window once we know week 17. And like before this ADP changes, I think it's going to be kind of a tight window where you can get these type of starts in. And I, I just think that like they're to, to how I look at things and like how the math shakes out historically. Like I know we don't always agree on all those things, but like, I don't know. I, I think you'd agree with me, right? That like ceiling projection, like Ramondre versus like DK Metcalf, like, is that even close for who has the higher ceiling? No, I like, think Ramondre has got a higher ceiling for sure. Yeah. yeah. And like, I've, yeah, I think one of the things, though, is that, like, this ADP environment, 
is creating a, a pocket of value at running back later in the draft. And when things shift, it will also shift the other pockets of the draft so that, you know, you're going to be potentially in a situation um, where there isn't that massive, massive cliff at wide receiver. And later in the summer, taking an early round running back actually in some ways feels more comfortable, you know, at least as someone like me who's thinking about what my wide receiver five is going to look like in the, in the second round. So like that part of it, you know, and to be honest, I think that is an advantage of drafting right now. Like I think, you know, getting like, I want to be overweight on the James cooks and the Zach Charbonnets. Like I think Zach Charbonnets are really, he's a second round running back with size uh, you know, on a team who likes to run the ball. I know Kenneth Walker's there, but like it's he has a contingency bet as a guy who's, you know, Kenneth Walker misses two games. I think Charbonnet's really nice. You know, I think there's a lot of guys in that range that I I do like taking. So and and guys who I like taking, and then I feel like my overall team strength is pretty nice. Like where if you're gonna do a two v two. And I know you wouldn't like necessarily do this because you could be taking a quarterback in the ninth round, you know, if you went wide receiver, running back, running back. But yeah. the wide receivers available in the ninth round generally suck, you know, or the 10th mm-hmm. round, it really sucks. And so, yes, I'm giving up some projection in the 1v1 in that early round if I'm not taking, you know, uh, Ramondre Stevenson for DK Metcalf, which would probably be the most extreme example. I'm like, wait, I didn't include dk metcalf in my top 36 i think sure she's like, sure yeah yeah it's yeah extreme. but it's extreme but like let's say debo samuel like debo samuel versus ramondre like but i'm not you know i could talk myself into debo you know i could i could talk myself in there because i'm going to be able to get a running back later and i'm going to be able to get you know a, a few running back not just like one dude who i'm like hoping he falls it's like it's a it's fertile ground in that pocket of the draft and that also does strike me as something that may be part of the drafting landscape in may it might not be we might not feel as good about that pocket partially because we'll get more information about which ones of those were were not as good bets as we thought and which were really good bets but um yeah that's kind of like one of the overall reasons that i'm kind of like you know sometimes i'll skip but here's what i'll say i'm i am i am going zero running back a lot less than i'm used to I did one zero running back draft today that was pretty fun. I got Rashad White as my RB1. Um, I think I did an elite, elite quarterback and elite tight end, which is kind of you know how I got there. But but maybe that's like another caveat to all this stuff is that you know, normally you might just do a traditional zero running back build. In this ADP environment, you probably want to be going like at least one elite onesie if you're doing zero running back because the running back value that you're passing on are really strong. You want to be hammering people at a different position other than just wide receiver. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And yeah, I think we agree on like the different groupings of like when to target guys. Like I, I have no pushback on that running back range. There's a lot of guys I certainly like in there. And, and like I said, I'm mixing, I'm, you know, when I do these wide receiver, running back, running back builds, I'm targeting two guys in that range. I still think that's like a fair allocation of, of running back draft capital um but but i see what you're i see what you're saying to some extent i guess for for me it's just that like i am like so and watch me wrong be wrong about this but like i am so confident that these running back adps in the third round are not gonna hold 
Whereas like, I am not that confident about some of these running backs in that range. Like, you know, Charbonnet, I could see the story for Charbonnet going up. I could see the story for Charbonnet going down. I could see the story for Madison going up. I could see the story for Madison going down. Like for me, it's a little bit like, yes, I know some of these guys will go down. Some will go up, but it's just so clear and obvious to me that like some of these running back ADPs are wrong. And just on the focus of getting like closing line value, getting a diversified portfolio at good prices to me, it just seems like, I don't know, like, it's not like this hasn't happened before. L- last year, Saquon Barkley. Saquon was on were, the two, three turn to start. Yeah. People were so yeah. down on him because he got injured the year before. He was the well, two, who three are, turn. Who are you targeting? Like, if you're, because there's so many of these guys. And I think it's, yeah. honestly, if there was just like one dude, if it was Jacobs, <laughs> he would already have moved up. But it's the fact that you, like, it's like, I don't need to decide. And so if I don't need to decide, then why am I deciding now? Because I might as well take the wide receiver or the quarterback who I'm not going to be able to get in the third round. Yeah. But who are you, who are you targeting of this group? So um, my favorite targets um, are so I'd say there there's a total of six running backs that go in this range: uh, Chubb, Pollard, Henry, Jacobs, Brees, and Ramondre. The four guys I've been taking the most are Chubb, Pollard, Jacobs, and Ramondre. Skipping on Brees is purely just like the injury thing where I think there's a chance it could get worse before it gets better. But I'm, I'm actually revisiting that. I think I'm going to like mix them in. Um, I think similar... Brees might be the guy. If you can get – if you want to talk about upside, if yeah. he's healthy – I mean, he is yeah. – I mentioned the legendary upside uh, screener that I that I have. He's he's the top guy in it. He's ahead of McCaffrey yeah. in it. He's he's twenty. Or I guess he's going to turn. He might have already turned twenty-two. Uh, no, he's to, he's about to turn twenty-two. He you know he's got the size. He was used on the goal line. He was super efficient on the ground last year at two point zero zero yards per route run, which is the highest of any running back here. These are all career numbers. Um, and he was a rookie, so that'll come down a bit. But that's like higher than McCaffrey's one point nine two. Awesome number. Rush yards over expected was really high, 16. That's super good. Offense yeah. is about to improve. I mean, it's like all there for Brees. He is like the archetype of the legendary running back, except he's coming off a torn yeah. ACL. Yeah. So, yeah. That's literally the only thing, right? And I'm, I'm totally with you. And it's also like you, you mentioned all those stats, like not – not landing spot like Aaron Rodgers running backs have always put up a shit ton of fantasy points. Sometimes it's been split up between a couple guys and like, we haven't had, you know, the truly elite elite seasons, but you know, if you combined Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams numbers, you combine Dylan and Aaron Jones numbers, like you'd be looking at some real uh, elite running back season. So I love the situation he's in. I love the talent for me. It, for me, it's simply been the mental block of like, I like all these guys a lot. Sure, if Brees was healthy, he'd be my favorite of the group. But like that, that injury concern is in the back of my head. You sold well, me though. Like I, I think I should be, I should be mixing him in at the same rate as these other guys. Um, like this took a turn. I didn't expect that I would be talking you into a running back. But let me, let me just, <laughs> let me sell this a little more because I talked about the pocket of the draft later. And you're saying you like to go wide receiver, running back, running back, and then do running backs in that like late single digit, early double digit pocket. Mm-hmm. I mean, in that in that pocket, you've got James Connors at pick 82, Dave Montgomery pick 86, um, Brian Robinson is at pick 107. 
Brian Robinson's a starting NFL running back who I like Robinson. His team doesn't hate. They hate the guy. They hate Antonio Gibson. We know that. They <laughs> like Brian Robinson. Like, if you need, it, uh, you know, Alexander Madison is pretty interesting in that. Rashad Penny, uh, although he's a bit more risky in terms of what his actual role would be. Um, but I think a decent bet for early season production. Damian Harris, pretty good bet for early season production. Um, so there's like lots of dudes like Connor going that late and um, Brian Robinson going that late in particular jump out to me is like, I mean, let's say, let's say you don't get it in good with Brees Hall. And then third round ends up being like two rounds too expensive. Like, okay, well, you know what? There's not that many guys in the third round. I really like anyway, <laughs> you know? Mm. And so I think you could act like maybe you could be okay. If he misses like week one and two, and then he comes back and he's healthy and he's amazing. And you didn't get any good with the closing line value, but he does give you some upside with the closing line value too, because if we're all we hear yeah, is positive he reports. Yeah. And so now you're looking at a guy who's maybe, maybe you got a full round and it's so easy to fill in the early season production at running back right now. It's so easy. So to me, like, man, that upside, it's just really hard to, now I've heard, I've heard some good pushback on just like, Hey man, you're being too optimistic on a guy coming back from an ACL tear. So the other thing, and this is getting into the weeds of his injury, it was reported that it was a, a meniscus injury in addition to the ACL tear. Now I haven't been able to see anything on the degree to that meniscus injury, but that's if you Google Brees Hall ACL meniscus, that's how it was originally reported. And those are a little more complicated. They're, they're not as bad as the Javante um, variety, the Dobbins variety, but um, it's been like a little murky reporting on that. So that that's something that's just like, give me like, ah, I don't like, we haven't heard anything yet, but like, could it be worse than we know? And and that's what's held me down. But like, yeah, if, if there's an archetype of a guy that's going to beat the ACL recovery in one year, it's certainly Brees. And he has like, he has all the upside in the world. And, you know, I, I posted a thread on it. Like I, I, I believe the argument that like, you know, Got you're taking guys with huge injury risk or suspension risk or whatever. Like I think because of the the how much having dead players hurts you, you got to be like a little bit careful about those bets when the upside isn't there. I use like Wandale Robinson as an example. I like this. This thread was really good. You're ready to return thread. Yeah, like that. That's what like that's a thing, right? Like if you're making a guy who has a high chance of like I put it in investing terms, like a high chance of default giving you zeros you better be getting like a high upside to justify how bad that risk of getting zeros is. Um, so for, with Brees, he's a guy who passes the sniff test for me. Like he, he certainly, he could be the running back one overall. Like obviously that's yeah. not the most likely outcome, but I don't think it's a crazy uh, thing to say. Um, certainly we, you know, if he didn't get injured, would, would be saying that. I would say, um, I honestly, if he was healthy, I, I think he'd be my running back too. I think I'd have him ahead of Bijan. He was a rookie running back on the Falcons. Okay. Yeah, just the situation he, for me. Calm yeah. down. I said Brees Hall was healthy. Okay. I know Bree, I know we can't say anything bad about Bijan, but like Brees Hall in his second year and then Aaron Rodgers offense, totally healthy. I honestly yeah. think he'd be my running back too. I mean, so I don't know. That that's just how I have a I have a hard time like knowing how much of a discount to put on that. Um Edwin Porras was uh saying some good things about Brees Hall. I believe after maybe one of our ADP chasing shows, but I pulled up his Twitter 
he was saying, you know, the, the injury between him and Javante is very different from each other. Brees wasn't complicated. Uh, Javante's is. Um, he said yeah. week one looks realistic for Brees. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. He knows more I, yeah. about stuff than I do, I, but I, and I know nothing. Yeah. And again, I think part of the reason, like, I just think that, like, the way I'm thinking about Brees with ACL, that's going to be in the back of people's heads for a while. So this is, again, I could be wrong about this. Like, my thought is that, like, the Chubb, Pollard, Jacobs rise uh, to the uh, mid-late second, like, that's going to be, like, quicker. Whereas, like, the Brees, the Brees rise to the second, if it does happen, is going to be more, like, um, later in the season when we get good training camp reports, that that's, type of thing. That's right. Yeah. So that's why I've been like more, I think, like inclined to snap up those other ones just because I think it's like combos I won't get later. Um, but yeah. Um, no, I'm gonna start mixing briefs in. And then I guess I should talk about Henry. He he's the one guy um I'm I'm fading in that range, or I, I guess I'm not even saying like fading. Like I think I'll click him a little bit in these type of builds, but it's just the age uh and the offense concerns. But um Again, Derek Derek Henry, uh, you know, has made faders pay for three years in a row. So if you tell me he has 18 points per game again this year, like I'm not going to call you crazy. Um, but he he's been the guy that I'm just less excited about because of age and offensive situation uh, compared to other guys. Yeah, me too. But, and you'll see uh, him there. He's a guy I wish I could take in like the fourth or something where it was all upside. But you know, it is. It's just I don't know. I struggle with it. He's 29 years old. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. It's so old for a running back. But I know it is really not. old. Yeah. He's a different. He's a unit. He's just such a unicorn, though. He is. He I, is. And I think that, like, there is something to the fact that um, he wasn't. So he wasn't a workhorse his first couple of years in the league. I know they had doing weird things with, like, Deion Lewis uh, splitting touches with him. Was he a workhorse at Alabama? I don't think he was there was no a bunch of dudes. he wasn't yeah there was a bunch of dudes there so like i and again i think this type of stuff has been like statistically on the average like disproven that like age is more important than like number of touches but like man i, I kind of buy that just the fact that he's so fucking big and has like never gotten hurt um in his career besides the foot injury and uh, like and he doesn't have that many tread on his tires like yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I'm just like at the th- like, it's kind of the same bet as last year. If like if we know Tannehill is back, it's kind of the same bet as last year, and we're getting like a two round discount on it. I think it's a I think it's a different bet than last year because he's gonna Tannehill's getting benched. We all know Tannehill's mm-hmm. getting Tannehill's getting traded or Tannehill's getting benched. And now you got a Will Levis guy in the playoffs. You don't want Will Levis's running back in the playoffs. I guess, but like I, so you guess what you're saying. <laughs> No, 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 no. I, 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 the last part of your argument I agree with. The first part is it crazy that the Titans are in the playoff race with the Texans and the Colts in their division? I guess that's true. Ryan Tannehill's playing well. Like, I don't know if Rabel's the guy that's like looking towards the future and saying we got to play Levis. So, uh, I don't know. There's certainly like downside risk variables there with, uh, Henry, which is again, I'm not taking him as much as other guys, but like, if he holds in like late third and I can do like wide receiver, wide receiver running back starts with him. I'll probably, I'll probably do that a little bit. Um, I, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I could see it. I could see it for sure. I, I think I must've taken some 
I mean, the third round is not where you're used to seeing Henry go. Um, yeah. But yeah, to me, like Pollard, Brees, Ramondre, Jacobs are kind of the guys. Chubb, I like. I like. I like Chubb. Yeah. I mean, he's getting up there in age a little bit, and he's always been a two-down guy, but it's pretty easy to imagine how Kareem Hunt goes, and they just like, they're like using him a little bit more. And dude, they have to be good this year. They have to be good. Yeah. Otherwise, the fancy's getting fired. So, you know, previous, like Jacob Sanderson has made an interesting point that like they probably view Chubb as like having this massive advantage on in rushing situations and not really adding anything in passing down situations. Even if he's not bad, it's just like, why waste this guy? Well, one reason is just like, because, if, you know, they might get fired if they don't, if they don't win games this year. So like maybe they just lean on Chubb. So <laughs> yeah. Another thing is like the receiving projection for Chubb, like that's an upside case you can make. But like if he just does what he's done in the past two years and is just like an insanely efficient rusher and he's on an offense that's going to score a lot of touchdowns, like just how we talked about it with Taylor, like just a really good running back can can pay off in, in half PPR and you're not paying like a one two price tag on on Chubb. So I think again, like you know, there were some of those seasons where we made the Derrick Henry. Oh, Derrick Henry is going to pass ca- like catch passes this year. And that was wrong, but he still smashes ADP, right? Because like he rushes so efficiently. Like you don't need like people are pushing back against the Chubb receiving. Like you don't need that for him to pay off his ADP. It's certainly like a nice upside case that I think is plausible now. But I'm not saying like I'm not baking that into his like median projection that he catches 50 passes. No, I'm just saying that like you know you take his splits. Um, There was that year I think it was when they had Carlos Hyde and he got cut and Hunt wasn't there. That was his rookie year. That was really yeah, well, I, there was some yeah. like eight, I think eight his second games. year maybe he had Hunt. No, what it was is that in his second year he was getting receiving work, and then Hunt got cut by the Chiefs, and then landed on the Browns. Yeah, right. Isn't that what happened? And then um, he he immediately ruined Chubb for from then until now, and maybe he returns to that other guy. We should we yeah. should land the plane though. We should get yeah, we should yeah, we should. It's super late. Um, all right, let's do let's do our best ADP takes and and get out of here. All right. Uh, well, I forgot to do one. So uh, you, I can I can tell me yours. Let me okay. pull my rankings. That'd be probably a good. Yeah, that's probably a good a good way to do it. Um, I am going to take as I scroll through the ADP on Underdog. Um, I has anyone done Fournette yet? I don't think anyone's done Fournette yet. No, it's a good I'm one. Gonna do, I'm gonna do Fournette. It's just obvious. He's going to sign somewhere. We, we've talked about it. We don't need to explain the, the thesis of the play. He's not done. You, you look at his stats last year in Tampa Bay. Call him washed up Lenny. You know, say that he's trash. He was better than Rashad White as receiving back. He's I still, really wish he just kept going for another minute. He's still... <laughs> <laughs> call him garbage. Say the Jaguars uh, are right to cut him. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Um, anyways, he's... Uh, He's better than Rashad White as a receiver last year. That's a fact. He's a big dude. Some NFL team is going to uh, view him as a guy who has a role in in the league. So uh, I'm taking Lenny. Guaranteed. Uh, put it in pen. Uh, 40, 40 CLV uh, once he signs with the new team. All right. Well, I'll just uh, ride your coattails here. I'll go Zeke. I'll go Ezekiel <laughs> Elliott. Going to be rising upwards. A little, not quite as cheap to begin with, but he'll be moving up once he signs in a better landing spot than Fournette. And I'm going to get some exposure before that happens. 
because uh, I've been too much tilted to Fournette as we talked about earlier. That's that's fair. Uh, I'll mix in some Zeke too. Um, anyways, guys, um, this was this was a lot of fun. A uh, longer show than than normal, but uh, I think we talked about a lot of good things. Again, if you're watching this this show on Wednesday nights and you're not tuning into ADP chasing, um, I think you're really missing out. Um, this show, uh, we're doing similar things uh, probably every Friday, maybe every Monday. We definitely got to <laughs> nail down our schedule to let you guys know exactly when we're <laughs> going to be doing things. But um, we'll be around this offseason. Um, and uh, yeah. Come, come check us out. Uh, we'll have a lot of ADP takes this entire summer. Pat, uh, what's going on at Leg Up um, over the next couple of weeks? I had an article on Elite Tight End, which I think is a massive edge in best ball tournaments, and uh, just explaining why I think that. Um, kind of pointing out that, like, you know, Hayden Winks has done some research on that it doesn't separate from the pack as well as running back and wide receiver, which is true. Um, but the kind of just the interesting thing about tight end is that like, there's really only so many spike weeks that even occur in a given season. And the elites tend to capture a huge share of those spike weeks, given that we're making three consecutive single week bets to win this tournament. It's actually pretty high chance that someone puts together a stretch. You want to have that guy on your team. Um, and so, yeah, kind of got got into the weeds of like the fan ball data that we have on elite tight end which goes back to 2015. That's a PPR site, but that's been really strong for elite tight end for years. Elite tight end has absolutely crushed in the playoffs over the last two years in underdog. Um, so it's definitely like a strategy where we're trying to figure out, we're always, you know, we don't have the right answers because we have small sample sizes, but there's like a lot of really strong hints in the historical data that elite tight end could be like a potentially massive edge and prices have fallen on elite tight ends right now. So it's like, you don't even have to be right. You know, you can use this strategy that is has done really well for people and you're getting it at a discount after not just Kelsey, but Kittle was on numerous first place teams last year across the industry. Kelsey was on a bunch as well. So kind of laid it out. It's like a 6,000 worder, but if you're a leg, leg up subscriber, <laughs> I, I narrate it for you. So you can do, you can do the podcast version while you scroll. There's lots of charts. So you can scroll on your phone, look at the charts, and uh, listen to me read it. So uh, sign up for Legendary Upside. You can still get $30 off your first year at legendaryupside.com slash early. And there's still some underdog credits right now. You can get a $50 underdog credit after you sign up. Make sure to fill out a form, uh, which is on the, the website. You go to perks slash discord. There's a form in there. Fill it out and you'll get $50 in your underdog account as well. Awesome stuff. Yeah, that was a great article. Um, should definitely check that out, guys. We'll be back uh, ship chasing next Wednesday night and ADP chasing um, sometime next week. Uh, have a good night, everyone. We will see you next week.